today. I'm Dr. Bob Hilgeth, owner of Guam Pet Hospital. We'll talk pets, tequila, and much more on News Talks. This is a tequila I ran across. Uh, oh, my last trip to California and Vegas. Uh, I have to thank the guys at Wine and More uh, for this one. This was one of their favorites at one of their stores, and of course, it's Don Roberto. So I kind of had to buy it at that point. Right. And these are the tequilas we're doing tonight are all uh, anejos. Uh, some of them are extra anejos, mm-hmm. which means they've been aged for a few years, often in white oak barrels. Um, but as uh, tequila has started to develop a real industry and a real popularity back on the mainland, mm-hmm. they are starting to do things like in old bourbon barrels. Yeah, somebody was telling me that um, in another podcast. I, I do a drinking podcast. Oh, and there I, you go. I get distributors kind of talking <laughs> about their stuff, and they're saying, "Well, maybe yeah. we can get a hold of them and see if they can start getting some of this on island." Sure. Yeah. Because I think Mike. So tequila normally has kind of a bite to it, mm-hmm. uh, kind of has a little bit of a burn. And as we go through these, you will find that not all tequilas do that. Good. <laughs> uh, as you get towards, as we move through the row here, yeah. uh, as we get more towards the end, um, you will see that they get smoother and smoother as they go. All right. And so we'll give you a little history. Again, this is Don Roberto. And right, well, again, cheers. Cheers Welcome to you to the Stagio. Well. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Mm. Yeah, no bite. I mean, not not the harsh tequila I'm used to drinking. Yeah, which I uh, like avoid like the plague. Most people do, and yeah. most of the time they wake up the next morning going, "Oh my God, what did I do?" Yeah. And the better tequilas, the anejos, they still have like this one is what I consider to be kind of at the lower end. Mm-hmm. Um, these all these, I don't drink them mixed with anything. No salt, no anything. You you right. basically drink them and sip them, and then try to enjoy the flavor. This one has a little bit of a burn, right, on yep. the tongue. Uh, yeah. You can kind of feel it a little bit. Like you'll a, feel it heat up. It's like taking a bourbon, you know. <laughs> yeah, you'll yeah. feel you'll feel your throat heat up a little bit. But right. as we move through these, um, some are smoother than others. I brought a couple um, as we go through these. We have got 1942, which is kind of the classic that everybody talks about. Don Julio. Um, and interestingly, Don Julio sold his company, mm. right? The 1942 was to celebrate his year of his birth. And he died a few years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had sold or, or gifted his company to his kids, who then end up selling the company to their an American company, a distributor. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly who, who that is. Those they, kids made some money. Yeah, the kids <laughs> retired early. Uh, but they continue. The kids continue to make. Oh, tequila. Tequila. Okay. And that's what this other one is, the Gonzales. Because it's oh, Don Julio, and if you look up, it's Don Julio Gonzalez. And this is their extra anejo that they just came out with recently. I've not seen this in my trips to Mexico before. Um, it, again, is a lot like this Don Roberto. It's got still that tequila kind of feel to it. Yeah. 
Maybe they didn't. The, the kids didn't want the old legacy issue. Right? Like, oh, dad wouldn't have done that. Dad wouldn't have done that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's interesting. Um, I think a lot of people in Mexico when when I'm down there and you mm-hmm. and you talk with the people, I'm usually in Puerto Vallarta, which right. is not too far away from the town of Tequila. Yeah, you talk with the many people who are tequila proud tequila drinkers. Yeah, and they actually want the burn. They that that's something oh, that I they see. yeah they're Tougher like the that's better. a real tequila, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and that's like well that's, that's like drinking Mad Dog Forty Four or whatever uh, you know you know. <laughs> well, I noticed that this the first sip immediate was sweet sweetness, yeah. then followed by the burn, and then that little aftertaste. I don't I can't. That's just uniquely tequila. That that's after, agave. Yeah, the agave. That's the agave yeah, afterwards, yeah. and a little bit of heat as it goes down. It kind of warms your throat a little bit. Yeah. So you were just in Mexico. I was. Yeah, how was that? Was that a vacation or a conference or a little Went bit down to see my father. Oh, My father okay. lives in San Francisco but has a, a place down in Mexico, down that's, in Puerto Vallarta. That's sweet. Uh, very nice, actually. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so yeah, uh, tell me about it. It was uh, it's a, uh, a resort community down there, a bunch of hotels, a developer. That's what my dad did. He was a developer, okay. not on anywhere on this kind of scale. Yeah. But this guy has built out a place in Puerto Vallarta. It's actually Nayarit, which is just north mm-hmm. of Puerto Vallarta, okay. where they've got Circus de Soleil. They've got mm. three championship golf courses. Um, I think uh, Greg Norman, uh, Jack Nicholas, and another designer. I want to say that it was Tiger Woods, but I'm not sure of that. Mm. Have designed some beautiful golf courses there. They actually even have a. a an executive course that's lit up at night so when it's hot oh, you can go nice. play it oh yeah. it's beautiful so they got the actual lights not having to use the glow in the dark balls <laughs> exactly no they're real lights it's actually all lit up and it's yeah. um the restaurants are phenomenal yeah. um we ate french food um three french food nights. in mexico yeah all right. and it's the culinary uh expression in puerto vallarta is along with the artistic side has really blossomed in the last 15 years well, they got so much old money up there, like really old, you know, twenty generation old money. Yeah, rich motherfuckers that never going to be on like Forbes because they don't tell you how much money they make. <laughs> well, and you wonder where they get their money from sometimes, but yeah. you know, or, and yeah, yeah the, that, the stereotype in everybody will go, oh, that's cartel money, that's drug money, but I mean, there's plenty of agriculture. Well, uh, on the hotel, textile well, development, and, the, and their land sales and leases. And their um, tourism business is huge there. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really cultured that quite a bit. They were having a little rough patch, I want to say, five, six years ago when they were having that issue with tourists dying with bad booze. you remember that? Uh, and they also got kidnapped when they went out to go yeah. to the town. Because the yeah. town of Tequila is closest to Puerto Vallarta. It's the main yeah. port. And tequila, so peop- Tequila. <laughs> yeah, well, they ended up... Yeah, there was a little kidnapping that happened that was yeah. on the news. of Some tourists got kidnapped on their bus for about a week and a half. They all got back safely. But that's so, when the government com- comes back. You know, normally tepid, just let people do their thing, but they're like, you're going to fuck with the economy, so bam. Exactly. Right? They just cut that shit down. and. Uh, yeah, I feel, I mean, I was driving around, and I mean, I was at uh, one of the... the uh, liquor stores there and they would do some tastings and stuff and there was a guy next to me i did not know Uh and he and i were tasting some tequilas and he bought a couple bottles and i bought a couple of bottles and then i realized that i didn't know really how to call a taxi to get back to the hotel (laughs) and he said he'd give me a ride 
Yeah. And there was that moment like of a little spider sense going. Yeah, on. like, oh, you know, I'm in Mexico. <laughs> you know, should I hop in the car with this guy? Well, he's pretty cool, I guess. And I've had a couple of drinks he, with him. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and of course he's saying this car's around the corner, right? So you don't mm. know what you're gonna walk into. Mm. Right. And of course, mm. you know, you pretty stand out as you're not a local. Yeah. Your your thought process was probably exactly how most women feel at a bar when the guy goes, Hey, you want to ride? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> didn't you? know if I was, didn't know what exactly was my, the next, you know, 60 minutes of my life was going to be like. Yeah, but it but, turned out okay. Yeah, you ended up, you know, yeah. walking up to a brand new uh, expedition, uh-huh. brand new. Okay. I mean, didn't even have plates on it or anything. And brand new, sparkling clean. And the guy was actually a, a tour operator oh, and nice. uh, gave sure. me a ride up to the taxi stand about a mile north and, you know. Gave him a toast and everything else, and it yeah. was a super nice guy. And it's yeah, a little shout out to that guy. Yeah, well, and as I say, uh, it's something where I, I think people are people wherever you go, and mm-hmm. I think there's a few people that ruin it. Of and, course, anywhere you go. Yeah, anywhere you go. Uh, so I feel pretty safe when I'm down in, in Puerto Vallarta. Actually, it's yep. a long trip to get there. Yeah, you know, when I was leaving and coming back after two weeks, my 90 year old father was. The first thing he said was, are you coming back? <laughs> you know, when you, you're coming back in November, right? And yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, you yeah. know, 30-hour yeah. travel to get there. I'm like, uh, so he I love you, lives Dad. There. He just, no, 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 no. He lives he, in San Francisco, uh, outside stay, of San Francisco. But he stays there He goes down there twice there. a year. Yeah. He goes down for three weeks twice a year. And there's what, only one way to get there? Through car? Well, to the, you fly. Yeah, you, you fly know. in and you drive Actually, you just drive from the airport. Yeah, well, you drive from the airport. There's taxis and stuff. The hotel is only maybe uh, 10 minutes away, 15 minutes away. I mean, there's a Home Depot right Uh, along the way and stuff like that. You know, pretty funny. I saw the the photos you gave me. It's right on the golf course or something like that, right? Yeah, there's golf courses in between. They're actually building now a beautiful um, theme park there that's all going to be Circus de Soleil. So when you Mm -hmm. stay at the theme park, um, there's... Circus acts going on all around you. Nice. So it's going to be kind of an interactive thing. Um, again, yeah. dining restaurants. You know. So um, did you get any golf play or do you golf? No? I I played golf many years ago, and yeah. now I consider myself dangerous on the course because after I hit a house <laughs> or two that were too close to the golf course, as far as I was uh, concerned, yeah. I don't play much anymore. I, yeah. I I used to play much more, and and uh, I was never any good, and I seem to have gotten yeah. worse over the years. If that's possible, <laughs> it's <laughs> <You> possible. <know? laughs> Believe me, it's possible. Yeah, you're supposed to get better after 20 years, and then you find yourself going, huh. Yeah. You I, would think after playing 20 years, you would actually get better at this thing. Well, and you think that yeah. you could blame it on the clubs only for so long. Well, Arnold Palmer <laughs> used to say, blame it on the clubs, because you can change that quickly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a, there's a, speaking of golf, and you, you mentioned Nicholas earlier, I sent it to the uh, Rotary chat. I don't know if you got a chance to look at it, but check it out. You got a... Um, you got to look at the video because it's it's Jack Nicholas showing uh, another golfer who's saying it's impossible. It's impossible. Y'all play it for you here. Wow, Jack showing Johnny Miller. Wow, a hundred and two foot putt. Yeah, he chips it with a putter. Wow. And in the hole. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. The greatest. The greatest. Yeah. I, Tiger is great, but I, I you can't. Jack is the Jack. Is the Jack. He was the golden bear, right? Yeah, he's the golden bear. He's, he, you can't outdo 
Jack Nicklaus. No. The legend. Sorry, Tiger. I like yeah. Tiger, but Golden uh, Tiger Tiger's certainly proven himself as a yeah. wonderful golfer, but the classic is yeah. Nicholas. Yeah. I was a big fan of Greg Norman mm, yeah. a lot. Yeah, the shark. Yeah, they, they got exactly. all these animal it, names. <laughs> that's why you like them. Well, because you're yeah, a vet. There you go. <laughs> Maybe that's it. So how'd you how'd you get how did you get all the way here from California? I assume. Yes. Yeah. So what's what's that story? Well, my wife and I were married uh, a little over 25 years ago. I'm not yeah. sure she'd do it again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask her in another podcast. Yeah, yeah, ask her on another podcast. I asked her when we celebrated our 25th anniversary, and she was uh, decli- declined to comment. <laughs> <laughs> abstention. <laughs> Many board meetings I've been on. Abstention. What's, what's that, what's that uh, lawyer uh, euphemism? You always want to know the answer to the question before you ask it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't follow that very carefully. No, you didn't day. do a leading question? No. <laughs> but... Uh, we had always looked, we'd been married on the beach in Kona, mm. and we thought that we were going to go ahead and eventually retire in Kona. And as you Kona's get Kona's beautiful, yeah. It is, but it's changing. And um, we wanted to get away from California. California has changed enormously. I've lived there all my life, and California has been. Ah, well, like I, everybody's leaving California. Exactly. Yeah. And that, we started seeing lots of our friends leaving with their businesses. A lot of the, what I consider to be the brain trust of California and the business people in California are leaving because mm-hmm. the taxes are high. Everybody, you know. What is it, like 40, 40% of your income now it, goes to the state? It got really bad. We were paying probably six cents on the, uh, 60 cents on the dollar. Oh, my God. Of, of paying in between federal, state. Uh, you know, uh, county taxes and everything Yeah, you're like else. 40, then 20 to the... Fe- the it, to, it was crazy. To federal and, yeah. And then, you're, and then you're being called, you know, oh, you're the bad business owner. You're the this. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I'm working, you know, yeah. 70 hours a week. And sure. I got some guy standing next to me, you know, who's making yeah. the same net as I am working for the government, getting paid... And working 35 hours a week with full benefits of That's retirement. That's why these guys write what they write. They're like, "What do you? What's the problem? You know? Yeah. What's the problem? Yeah, I'm you not. You guys a, are rich. Like, I hate that term. You guys are rich. Yeah. What's or you're, the problem? Or you're lucky. You're lucky. Oh, yeah, you're, you're lucky, lucky. <laughs> to run your own business. It's, like, that, it's only told by people who've never ever run their yeah. own business and had to write a, an actual payroll. That's why I don't gamble as much as, <laughs> like, because I was like, you know, when when you're a kid. You, okay, you play a blackjack table or whatever when you go to yeah. Vegas or something. Yeah, it's for fun. And then, like, you go and and your friends are gambling, but they, you know, they work for other companies. And they're like, aren't you going to gamble? I go, man, I gamble every day. Yeah. Like, I just want to take it easy. Yeah. I don't want to worry about money on the I, table. I, I work too hard to earn this. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, like, there's a lot of sweat on the table yeah. right now. I mean, I'll, I'll still play like $100 blackjack, yeah. you know, just, just for fun. But I'm not going in there going, how do I double 10000 You know, I'm, I'm doing that all the time at work. <laughs> not, I, I don't want to go to Vegas to do that. All I want to do is like, okay, where's the best steak? Yeah. You know, I know I'm going to spend money. I might as well spend it on Entertainment. Myself. Entertainment. And, and or, my guests. Yeah. You know. Well, there's a lot of big casinos in Vegas, and they didn't you get know. there by giving the money away. No. House always wins people. I don't know if you heard that, but, yeah. but it's true. We had a, when I was at UC Berkeley, the, one of the statistics classes was actually on gambling mm-hmm. and going through each one of the individual games mm-hmm. and of what the stats were. And it was like, they only had to win, like it had to, had to be like a ratio of 48 to 52 of the oh, house wow. winning over the yeah. house winning over the guests. And they would make literally millions and millions of dollars a day because of the amount of the turnover. Sure, sure. You got it's it's the amount of heads that are playing. The volume. Yeah, the volume. And you know the thing is, 
at, at least the casual gambler, they can lose all night, and then they hit that little thing, you know, jing, jing, yeah. jing, 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 and then like that made their day. Yeah. Never mind that they put three hundred dollars in that poker machine. Right. You know. I made fifty back. <laughs> yeah, they're like, <laughs> like, I made fifty back. Yeah, I won. <laughs> it's like a, some stupid investment. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I've got some friends now living in Vegas. So they're like, come on over and visit. I go, okay, only if we don't gamble. He goes, oh, no, no. If you live in Vegas, you don't gamble. You go do yeah. everything else that gambling allows us to do because the state is so rich. rich. We're gonna, you want to see Barry Manilow? Is he still alive? Yeah. You want to see Bruno <laughs> Mars? Oh, yeah, okay. Let's, let's do it. You know, I think Sting is a, like a resident now over at uh, Caesars. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, it'd be nice if it was the police. Yeah. yeah, I went and saw Guns N' Roses last oh, man. fall. Kelly loves Guns N' Roses. I love Guns N' Roses, but she loves it enough to wear a T-shirt. Yeah, you well. Know? How was it? It was phenomenal. Was, uh, you know? They still had it. Uh, it really? was funny because Axel and I, and yeah. Slash didn't talk to each other the whole concert. Are they mad at each other? They were in a big fight. I think that's why the band originally broke up. Oh, so if, they're I, still pissed off, but they need the money now. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> uh, and they yeah. can still get it. But Axel still got. He's probably still eighty, ninety percent of his voice from where it was. And, yeah, when and, you sing that 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 pronounced and that hard, you're gonna it's gonna go. But they sounded great, awesome. and and uh, Slash played six. Maybe even seven, like four to five minute guitar solos. Oh wow! It was phenomenal. It was really a good concert. Unfortunately, it was at Allegiant Stadium, which is where the Raiders play. Raiders. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll be we'll talk about that a little later. Yeah, yeah, Let's have a few more tequilas. <laughs> we can start talking about football. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, look, I, I was, I have a, I have a sports podcast. You should probably hop on one of these days when when it's back to NFL season. But I made it. I made an announcement. I said because. Colin pa- uh, Kaepernick is going to be like, he, he tried out. And they're like, what do you think of that? I go, okay. Anybody can try out. I have no, no, yeah. no, no, but if they sign him, I may be on free agency because I've been a Raiders fan since they won the, <laughs> you know, the yeah. Super Bowl against the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, oh, that yeah. far as a kid. And I was like, uh, you know, highs and lows, especially lows, all these 30 some years of lows. Yep. Never, never shook my faith, but. We're right about getting back to football. I'm talking about the Raiders. Like right. they're finally like focusing on football again. You know, the Gruden days are past. You know, you don't have the drunk driving and killing people. I mean, there's almost always every year some stupid drama with the team. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we finally got a boring coach. Yeah. We got a boring general manager. Their roommates. How exciting was that in college? We got a bunch of good. Solid football, uh, tr- you know, uh, free agency uh, signings, g- good rookies. Like, finally, like, we're back to John Madden days where we're, like, focusing on right. football. And then suddenly, like, oh, yeah, we're going to see how, you know, Cap does. I'm like, oh, that's all Mark Davis. Yeah. That motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, if if they sign him, I'm out. And they're like, why? Because he's Black Lives Matter and all that stuff. So, Exactly. I said, I, it's not that I, he can have all the politics, but he brings it to the team, which means dysfunctional team, which means distracted team, which means no Super Bowl. Right. And I said, I root for my team so that they win, not not so that they lose. And if they're making decisions that help them lose, I'm not for it. That's all it is. It has yeah. nothing to do with politics. <laughs> well, it's really, it really should be more about, I mean, there's so much politics and entertainment, whatever yeah. it is right. now. 
and it would be really nice for the people who are involved in that just to just just keep, chill. Yeah, I just I mean like dude, I watch a movie, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's just let's just let's just watch the game well, and not have to put all the other stuff into it. At, at yeah. a game or at an entertainment event, we're all there for one reason to watch the team. Well, when somebody br- someone brings a sick dog or cat to you, they're not like they don't want to hear Dr. Bob's political views. They only just want to know what is my fix, cat. Yeah, fix my animal now. Yeah. Is you know? my cat going to make it? Yeah. Because your cat would have made it if it wasn't for Trump. You know, yeah. or if your, cat, your dog would have been alive if it wasn't for Brandon. I mean, you know, you don't want, they don't want to hear that shit. You know? yeah. So why would we want to hear it from an athlete or an actor or news, you know, whatever. Just, just do it. Just do your job. Do what you're good at. Yeah, and, then and let keep me your have opinions my... to yourself for yeah. right now because yeah. I want to see you score a touchdown. I don't really yeah. care. Yeah. I don't at, in another venue at another time, but I just paid 175 bucks for a ticket. Yeah, if you want your opinion heard, start a podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, there you go. <laughs> and then if somebody's interested in what you have to say, they'll come on to your show or they'll listen to your show. But you don't have to do it right before the game. Where like I'm not there to hear your opinion. I'm here. I'm here to watch this game. Well, the irony with I think with Kaepernick is there is a, I mean I think that he's got a point and I think he's got a he's got points to be made. Yeah. But it's kind of hard to feel sorry for somebody who's making multi million dollars of a yeah. year and complaining about how oppressed he is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's uh, I got a good friend who compared him to Muhammad Ali and how he was protesting the Vietnam War. I go, no, that's different. I said. Number one, Muhammad Ali was a world champion at the time. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Kaepernick was not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number two, um, he had a valid point. He said, why am I going to go to the Vietnam War? What What do they do to me? You know? Yeah. i got more problems here in America than I do in Vietnam. Yeah. Okay, and then they stripped him of his thing, and, you know, he was hungry for a long time, and he didn't get to fight, probably in his prime, arguably. Um and he made great sacrifices. So, like, Kaepernick wasn't going to be signed by the uh, the 49ers. No. He was out. He couldn't win a championship. He was sloppy. He was self-centered. So, I think that's a little different from Muhammad Ali taking yeah. a stand against yeah. Vietnam War, you know? So, like, so you, you're going to have to come up with a better, better uh, analogy. But well, see, I'm from California, yeah. and that's kind of one of the reasons why I left. And yeah. one of the things that attracted me to Guam is that I, I I hang out with more locals than I do of people of my own race. Yeah, expats or whatever. And, and, and I do that not because it just it seems like there just is a, a really good attitude towards mm-hmm. I don't really care what race you are. Right. What can you bring to the table, yeah. right? And yeah. do you have a sense of humor? And do you have mm-hmm. a sense of humor about yourself? And coming from UC Berkeley, okay, right, <laughs> the capital, <laughs> yeah, um, the Socialist Republic of Berkeley. That's right. Um, I spent some time behind the Eastern Bloc when Reagan was president. Mm. And one of the interesting things that I found out during that time, uh, I spent three summers in Prague, Czechoslovakia, yeah. was that I would have people on the street. I'd be there in my, you know, my T-shirt and my Levi's, which yeah. kind of made you stand out. Sure. And I'd have people come up and very quietly say to me, vote for Reagan. He scares the crap out of our government. Nice. And I'm like, <laughs> but you're socialists. Yeah. You know, you're communists. Yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? And they're like, no, no, no. We hate, we hate our government. Please. Yeah, you know, just do everything out. you can. We want freedom. Yeah. And those who have lived under those kinds of circumstances, 
I mean, think about the southern border of the United States, why, why it's so attractive for all the people from South America, from you know, some of the countries. It's not only economic, it's also, it's also the oppression. Right. You can't speak your mind. And California was really getting to that point. Well, yeah, I think so. Like you, it, they were shutting down speakers from going to universities. The whole I mean, idea of a university is to hear the other point of view. Yeah, it's supposed and, to be time for wild ideas, whatever it, yeah. they are, right? And I mean, think about if the same thing had happened during the '60s. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, if the people who were quote unquote in control yeah. of the university were shutting everybody down, and, right. and there was some of that going on, but now it's the censoring on the social media and everything else. It's like. Come yeah. on, guys. Yeah. I mean, the whole idea is you're supposed to, the, the greatest thing about the United States, the most powerful thing about the United States is that you are supposed to be able to speak your mind. And it hasn't been that way, at least in California, mm. for a while. Right. People attack you on, spe- I mean, they, they try to tell you what's in your heart and what's in your mind. And you're like, yeah. you don't even know who I am. <laughs> and I mean that from people who are yeah. close to me, like my brother. Right. Tried to tell me what was in my mind and in my heart. And I'm like... Hello. You know, yeah. I, I'm like, you know, Michael, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You haven't spoken to me, but, you know, 10 times over the last 10 years, mm-hmm. you have no idea who I am. And you're mm-hmm. trying to tell me who I am. Yeah. Maybe you should actually, you know, spend some time with me and realize that I'm not, you know, some, you know, ultra conservative yeah. redneck, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I would I've, call you a redneck. But no, yeah. I no, yeah. my, I mean, literally, you know, I've yeah. got people in my family right, who are gay, and I've known that they're gay for a very, very long time, and I'm very, yeah. very proud of them and their accomplishments. Yeah. And my brother was the last to find out. Oh. And he was immediately assumed. Yeah. You know that I was. I'm like. I did. Bob have I'm a, a veterinarian. I'm a, a veterinarian. Yeah. You know, in vet school, I was one of the only straight people in the class. You know. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that it was such, yeah. Oh, yeah. such a stigma on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, really? you know, 70, 80% women, um, and probably a third of the women are gay. Most yeah. of the guys in vet school are gay. Really? Yeah. That's These At least when I went to school at Davis, yeah. it was. Yeah. And so yeah. it was like, I mean, again, it's not about what you are, Yeah. right? Yeah. It's about who you are on the inside. Absolutely, yeah. And it, it drives me crazy that it's like, can't you see past this outer thing in people? Well, I feel like it's uh, counterproductive, and, and maybe that's the whole point. It's like the more you s- sort of label, categorize people, the greater the tendency to have discrimination yeah. and objection. But if you just look at the other person across the table and then say, oh, you know, Bob's Anglo-Saxon, maybe he's Mexican, maybe he's this, or causes like Japanese or yeah. Chinese— you start thinking that way, then then your brain starts to go that way. But if you're just saying, "Oh, that's innocent fella," you know, I nice, wonder what nice his guy. perspective on life is, yeah. and maybe I can learn something yeah. from him yeah. and change the way that I think and how I feel about things. Yeah, so people need to do that a little bit more. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's too bad that we're we're at this point, and it, and we got here pretty. I want to say it was a slow crawl, then it jumped like fast forward when Trump was. Uh, elected like yeah. people decided to say you're racist you're misogynist i mean these are the words that i haven't heard in years started popping up on the news and it was crazy times yeah and it's not a again 
why don't you sit down and actually talk with somebody yeah. and actually see what they're really all about. And most importantly, see what they do and how they act and how they carry themselves in their lives. I agree. So, yeah, my niece is going to Davis. She's actually oh, really? starting to be a vet. Really? Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, so we'll see how she, she's not lesbian. As, as no, no, that's good. <laughs> as much There's as no room for us straight people in <laughs> yeah, that school. Yeah. Don't worry about it. She's got a nice guy. But, uh, yeah, so I now I'm putting it all together. Davis is a, a, a known for veterinary it's the number one school in the United States, pretty yeah. much nine out of every so ten she, years. She's she's in the right school. She's in a perfect school. They about again, it's been a while, but uh, probably about 120, 120, 125 yeah. students, yeah. and they accept at least half of the students from UC Davis. Nice. So she's in the right place to get to know to the right people, and she needs to volunteer at the veterinary hospital. Well, I'll tell her to throw, you know. Dr. Bob alumni. <laughs> no, that, might not, that might not help her. <laughs> you must I'm not, I'm not a big donor, you know? <laughs> I don't have the uh, money to donate like some of my compatriots, but we'll right, let's, see. Let's go to the let's second go. flight. All right, so Before we're going to we go to Gonzales, which is the extra Anejo. This is, again, the family, the children now of, of uh, Don Julio. Don Julio. Uh, Don Julio was a real man, people. He was actually a, he was a very real guy. Let's uh, oh man, come on. Is there a cork Help in there? Here. Help me out here. No, there shouldn't be. Oh, come on. Yeah. There shouldn't be. It's got a. There we go. Oh yeah. There. So this was going to be more of a traditional tequila. I think you'll like. This will have a little more of a bite to it. So. So how long you been following tequila as a fan? Well, interestingly, uh, we had some friends um, through our through our horses back in California, and we were the token white people that used to go to the Hispanic parties. Okay, <laughs> all right. So we would be there speaking English, and nobody at the party would would was speaking English; they're all speaking Spanish. Yeah. However, uh, and then Ramon, yeah. Ramon, right? Yeah. Said, uh, so you like to try some tequila? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, let's try this Gonzalez stuff. My my mom sneaks it across the border from from uh, from Mexico. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of how I got started. It was something that was, nice. uh, and it was, and it it wasn't allowed in California oh, because really? it was when Don Julio got sold. They were not mm-hmm. allowed to dis- they were not allowed to make their own tequila and then distribute it back in California. The the that was part of the agreement when they sold the company. Oh, non compete. Exactly. All right, here. Cheers. So, cheers. Salud. There we go. You're right. This is a lot more like the tequila, that that iconic tequila taste. But it's a little but, sweeter. But it is sweeter, and it's not as harsh down throat. It's Give like it a, a minute. Give it a minute. It's coming. Is it? It's coming. It's not like a little a, bit. It's, it's not, not like a Jose Cuervo or something like that. No, no. Yeah. That that gets you the burn right away. But this has no. the more of the sweet, the sweet initial taste mm-hmm. within the agave follow. But you'll feel a little bit oh, as yeah. it goes down. Right you'll there. start to feel a little bit right there on the mm-hmm. the top of the throat. Yeah. So what do you think of the like uh you know the the multinational brands like Jose Cuervo or Patron? You think they're pretty good? They're junk? Uh, they're okay? Is it like eating Ichiban Robin instead of going to Fuji Ichiban? Is that what, is that what it is? For me, yeah. uh, it should be all about what you particularly like. Um, okay. You know there are people who drink 
you know, gallo wine by the box and love sure, it. Sure. And then there are people who won't touch anything under $40 a bottle. Yeah. I yeah. think that for me personally, mm-hmm. I'm too, getting too old to drink bad booze. Right? Exactly. So I enjoy doing this. It's kind of an adventure for me every time when I go down to Mexico yeah. to try a couple new ones, try to see what I like, what I don't like. Right. And usually when I start talking to the people at the, at the different places and tell them what I like, they usually find some pretty good stuff. Right. And, uh, well, you know, the cigar guys have a very similar saying, life's too short to smoke a shit, shitty cigar. Exactly. Yeah. So, and and I would agree with that with tequila. And again, I don't drink very much, but if you're going to drink, if you're going to drink on the weekends, drink well. Yeah. Drink what you enjoy. Right. With wine, I'm a little different. So I, I'm, I'll explore wine. I I don't go with price or labels. In fact, I, I do this game, um, and it's it's totally a game. I, I try to find the cheapest wine and like force myself to buy it, knowing that it'll probably be awful. And then every once in a while, but because I cook, it doesn't matter, and I'll use right. it for cooking. But then once in a while, you feel you find yeah. this magic, and you're like, "Oh, this is good." What? And uh, you know, and then and then it's, then it's like it's gone after a few months. It's like yeah. you, <laughs> you can't get it. Exactly. You can't get it anymore because it's Guam, and. You know, you're just at the mercy of the limited distributions here, but, but yeah, it's like there, s- there's some some brands are like, oh, that's only nine bucks. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll buy one. What the fuck? Well, it was like three buck Chuck. What was that <laughs> store that used to do that in <laughs> oh, California? Yeah. The three that's buck right. Chuck. Yeah, yeah, It'd be like, yeah. well, for three bucks, I really can't go wrong. The bottle's right. probably worth worth a buck fifty. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and so it's like, okay, we'll go ahead and we'll try it. And sometimes, as I say, it becomes you know, yeah, you're adding it, you're you're adding it to sauces and everything else exactly. but every once in a while you come across something then you go back and guess what somebody beat you to it's the gone. rest of the cases yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all gone so yeah i was, I was kind of kidding i was like you know i like to open businesses so kelly and i were talking i go i said she's like we should you know there's not enough stores that carry a variety of nuts like you know yeah and i go i know but this is not like trader joe's territory here in guam you know like i said guam is too small to have a lot of nuts so we should just open a two nut store. <laughs> <laughs> just two nuts. That's all we got. <laughs> like, what kind of nut you got? Uh, we got walnut today and pistachios. That's it. Go. Two nuts. <laughs> but then we would have a shit. I would hate of- to see what your logo would look like. <laughs> <laughs> and then we would have, but we would have a shitload of everything else, premium, you know, premium yeah. whiskey, premium wine, whatever. But. Just two nuts, man. <laughs> well, that sounds like a Guam thing, right? Yeah. I mean, if you can open up coffee shops that say the coffee yeah. slut and things like yeah. that, that seems like that would fall yeah. right into the whole Guam culture here. <laughs> two nuts store. She's like, yeah. you don't think that's derogatory? Go, no, people won't get it. They just come in and go, Where, where's your two nuts? So right here, baby. <laughs> I got it right here. No. <laughs> <laughs> we got okay, Gabs. <laughs> Have some more tequila. We're opening up here. Here we go. Mm. No. Okay, so... Um, this is definitely um, a different path than yeah. the first one we had. Definitely, oh. very. I mean, you, if you blindfolded me and I did a Pepsi challenge, I could tell which one's which. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Different. Different flavors. And that's the agave, of, huh? It's just really, that after the yeah. aftertaste is the agave. Yeah. That's what makes a tequila tequila. But you notice how it's not really burning. Mm-mm. It's no. smoother. It gets smooth as you drink it. Yeah. Yeah. Some, There's probably like an anesthesia effect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you're the doctor. You would know. Yeah. Yeah. They're like red alert. Red alert. Yeah. <laughs> More coming. Yeah. Numb it down. Numb it down. Yeah. Um, so the extra an añejo. What does that mean? 
Um, technically, so a like a Blanco is only aged, mm-hmm. it's certainly less than a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes only six months. That's why it doesn't really get the color because it really doesn't absorb anything from the barrels. So this is about time. This is about time. Okay. Um, it's much like whiskey in that sense, that the more time that you age it, the smoother it gets and the more it mellows out. Mm-hmm. So they did, uh, traditionally it was a Blanco, a white, mm-hmm. and then you had a Reposado, which mm-hmm. was usually one to two years, depending right. on, you know. It's not quite how, clear, but it's a little not. It would be a light, light a light gold. amber. Yeah, light, yeah, a light okay. amber. All right. And then as you keep them in the barrel longer and longer, mm-hmm. like the last one we're going to do tonight is a seven-year. Seven years. Seven years. Wow. And that's, yeah, you'll, you'll, yeah, that's my favorite by far. How do you wait seven years? I, 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 I went back and bought another bottle yeah, three that's days before you... I left and said, you know what? It's going to be a hard job to finish this before I go, but I'm up to the task. And I almost, I got pretty close. How much did you leave behind? <laughs> uh, I have my, uh, my cousins. Yeah. And my, and I call them my cousins. They're actually in their, Late 80s. Oh, because you get a place there. Yeah, sure. They had come down to the third week for my father. And so I left them with some behind. And, nice. Uh, and a shout out to my to my cousin, Ed, who's also a big tequila drinker. Cousin Ed, how's it going, man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I left him behind. He was, I think he was pretty happy that I left him behind some tequila. Because, mm. again, the Jose Cuervos and things like that are pretty harsh. Those yeah. Are the hangover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, know, that's why I stopped drinking tequila, to be well, honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, because my introduction, I, I I talk about this in another podcast, but I go, when I turned 18, um, I was I was working with a co-worker named, uh, her name is Kim, I forget her last name, but she was an Air Force wife, beautiful, mm-hmm. like in her mid-20s, hot, right? Yeah. And she worked at the athlete's foot with me, and I was like, you know, 17, right. turning 18, right? And she's like, you're going to turn 18 tomorrow. I said, yeah. I said, um, well, come to my, come to the bar I work at. I said, Okay. I bartend there. I said, oh, drinks are on me. I said, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah really? Yeah, Free drinks, I'll be there. Yeah. Well, the problem was my girlfriends. <laughs> I mean, my girlfriend, <laughs> my brother, my, my friend and I both have like one day apart birthdays. And so his girlfriend and my girlfriend decided to throw us a little barbecue shindig. Of course, we were going to stay there. But... The party started, and you know, people, you know, Guam time, people yeah. trickling in. So I said, "Hey, uh, we're just gonna go to my friend's place because um, they want to buy us a round of drinks, and then we'll be right back." Uh oh. Right. So he and I got in a car. We <laughs> fucking came down again, yeah. And Kim's like, "Hey, there you guys are. Okay, so okay, well, uh, and at eighteen, you know beer, but you don't know much else. You know, nope. like you, you kind of like you know." Like categories, like give me whiskey. But like, like as soon as they go, what what kind of whiskey? Be like, uh, uh, but uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> trying to think of a name quick. I, I don't know, <laughs> you know. And so like I'm going there. I go okay. So I don't want a beer. I said I want to drink real drink. And they're like, she's like, okay, I got you. Don't worry about it. So she pours tequila. I don't know what tequila is at the time. And she calls it a firecracker because she puts Ooh. like Tabasco or something yep. in it. So Curry fires, yeah. Too bad, yeah. Boom! I take a shot. She goes, "You have to shot. You have to take it a shot. You got to oh, do yeah. something. The lemon, the whole shit." I said, "Boom!" I go, "Oh, gross!" Like it was so <laughs> gross. And then she's like, "Okay, drink this. It'll help calm it down." So I take that, and I'm like, "What is that? That's even grosser." She goes, "Oh, that's a white Russian." So I'm drinking, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> so I'm drinking tequila, 
She and, was trying to get you hung over oh, the next man. day. And I took seven of those firecrackers. And so and then I followed up at by uh, recommendation those seven uh, white Russians. So I took fourteen shots within uh, an hour and a half, and I was fucked. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> the room is spinning. The room is spinning. And then I was like, I need to go to the restroom. Like not to throw up, but I just like I needed a break. So I get up, and this big guy, tall, just like you. Gets up. He looks like Randy Johnson. You know what Randy yeah, Johnson, yeah, the baseball yeah. pitcher. And he gets up and he's upset because I've been talking to Kim. And I think, oh man, this is husband. <laughs> yeah. And I go, what, what? And he goes, I don't like the way you're talking to Kim. I said, is that your wife? And then he's like, no, that's my girl. I go, your girl? She's married. You know. And I'm like, ready to fight him because I'm fucking yeah. drunk. And all I can see is his belt buckle because he's like six, seven, <laughs> six, seven. Come on. And my friend's like, hey, you know, he's his birthday. He's been drinking. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. They're co-workers. And once all that got explained, he's like, really cool. He's like, okay, cool. Go to the bathroom. And come back. We got to go. We got a birthday party. We got to go. And so, like, we didn't realize we were there for, like, four hours. Oh, no. Yeah. So then we we went back. Party's done. Yeah. Oh, Barbecue no. pit is off. Oh no! Cake is like uncut. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, but like, she did that be- cut it? How, how no, did I, no, I'm uh, sorry go? She was pissed, but I threw up all night. Yeah, and that's when she's like, okay, you clearly had no fucking idea what you were doing. So. She, they would just buy him a drink, bro. I still remember that. So after that, anytime I took like a little whiff of that tequila, oh yeah, like uh, never again. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so yeah, that was my introduction to tequila. But I had the same introduction to rum. We used oh, to do what yeah. are called. I think they were called Prairie Fires, oh. which was Bacardi One Fifty One. Oh yeah. I mean, just talk about just suicidal, stupid things you do in your youth, yeah. and uh, with Tabasco sauce. <laughs> And uh, I remember being 16 years old, and my gross. and my mom being as subtle as she was. Yes, you can go stay at your friend's house when his parents are gone, but you need to come back this next morning for breakfast. Mm. Mm. She knew what was going to happen. She knew exactly what was going to happen, and yeah. I just remember having my face pressed to the porcelain god, as mm. they say, going, "Oh, this feels so good. It's nice and cool, <laughs> you know." <laughs> and then having to go up and have breakfast the next morning with my mom who yeah. sat down at the table with us and served us Eggs Benedict. Mm. Now, if you're hungover and you, somebody puts Eggs Benedict Gooey. in front of you, you're just like, I mean, it was the worst two hours of my life. Yeah. And shortly before my mom died, I asked her about it, and she just gave this really, really you know, <laughs> smile and just looked at me and said, like, you were the third son we had learned by then. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't it was no like, dummy. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. Yeah, we've been down this road before. That's we funny. know what to do with That's you, and we know funny. how to we know how to turn <laughs> you away from this. And it was like, yeah, that worked pretty well. I don't think I drink. I don't think I drank rum again for probably about five or six years. Oh uh, yeah, no, I I just recently started drinking tequila, like yeah. just because re- I did that tequila show. Yeah. For Cinco de Leo, because yeah. we were delayed like week. You know, yeah. we didn't do the show on Cinco de Mayo, so. Jose Cuervo guys came. I go, I got to tell you, I don't, I don't really drink tequila. I just, I had a bad experience. It's a long story, but it started at 18. So you, you understand how, how long this, this divorce. <laughs> how, how traumatic, is, yeah, how traumatic yeah, that yeah. was. How, how bad the separation has been. 
Anyway, so uh, we didn't do shots, we didn't do firecrackers, and we certainly didn't no. do, uh, you know, uh, white Russians, so I was fine. And I was like, you know, tequila's not bad, you know, and then huh. I was like, because I was preparing for this show, Bob. I was oh, there preparing you were, for you were, this show. There you go. I Absolutely. Like, you were. Like, Bob is going to bring, Dr. Bob is going to bring tequila, <laughs> his finest tequila, <laughs> and what I cannot do is to drink it and get sick in front of him, because he's bringing the expensive stuff. Oh, we, we brought yeah. some nice bottles here. Yeah, so... You'll notice that the the 1942 is in the center of the five. It's not at the at the top end. Yeah, it's a nice, like a big tower of a bottle. Well, it, this is the one that you see people on the TV shows and everybody's drinking it and all oh, the people the in Hollywood. Drink. Yeah, yeah, and all the and it's it's kind of become the thing. I, I think it's uh, I I think it's a good tequila. There's no doubt, but it's not. Yeah. it's not the greatest, in your opinion. I. I th- I th- for me personally, and again, yeah. I think it's all personal choice. To me, as you get as we get further down the road, the road here, you're gonna you're gonna yeah. appreciate what I brought. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for the finish line right there. Yeah, yeah, we're we're a little ways away. We yeah, make some yeah, progress. Yeah. So, tequila is like kind of like gin. It's making a big, big comeback, uh, particularly gin too, because like celebrities are starting to do gin, mm-hmm. their own labels. But tequila, like I think, uh, was it? Um, not Ben Affleck. What's his name? Uh, Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar. Well, of course, Sammy Hagar. Cabo Wabo, whatever, right. right? He was like first early on guy, did it. But now, like lately, like uh, what's his name? Uh, Deadpool guy. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah. LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, all these kind of like, my question is, all right, because my understanding is tequila is not tequila unless it's made in Mexico. Correct. I'm not sure, honestly. I'm not sure yeah, about that's that. That's what I. That's what I was reading. Because there, there's a. I guess a, the agave has to be from Mexico because the Mexican government's, like, you can't call. In other words, you can't call it tequila. It's like bourbon and whiskey being from Tennessee and Kentucky. Correct. Correct. Okay. It's it's you can't you gotta it's gotta be from that ground, which is great protection of property. You yeah, know? of their rights. So China can't call something they make a tequila. They can call it whatever they want, but they can't call it a tequila. Well, and it's interesting because there's a, do you know the town of Temecula in yeah. California, right? Absolutely, yeah. So was kind of trying to develop a wine industry for many years. And the mm-hmm. wines there were okay. They developed actually an almond champagne there that was phenomenal. Oh, really? And they started doing like mimosas in a bottle, and mm. they started doing some things that were a little bit good, little that were better yeah. and a little inventive. And they started to develop kind of their own little Southern California wine country. And, of course, I'm from Northern California, so I got my nose pinned to my forehead for yeah, yeah, like poo, Sonoma. Yeah, like whatever, you know? Southern California. Although I have to say, Australia's got some great wines, and yeah, Oregon's got some great wines, and the Central Coast has some great wines, too. And a place called France. Yeah, exactly. I can't afford France. <laughs> <laughs> I went, <coughs> I was looking at some French wine when yeah. we were down in Mexico. Yeah. And I almost fell over when I did the conversion from pesos. I'm like, well, that's a lot of, but yeah, it's pesos. You know, of course yeah. it's going to be a thousand pesos or whatever it is. Yeah. I started doing the conversion. I was like, that's still like a hundred dollars for a bottle yeah, of wine. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. wow. Just because it's pesos doesn't mean it's cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you do the conversion. Yeah. It's like, wow. It's okay. kind of like the Philippines when you get, you get there and you get major brand stuff. It's like, it's not even cheaper. Like, yeah. don't buy Levi's in Philippines, everybody, unless you're yeah. going to go to the gray market and it's not Levi's at that point. It's like. Livy, you know. Well, interesting. Um, I had a family member. My brother was married to a woman who was a buyer for Macy's. Mm. 
And that was back in the Jordash days and the oh, Shemenda Fours and yeah, all the yeah, other, yeah. you know, the, the Calvin Kleins. And she was a buyer. She actually had her own line for Macy's. Nice. And they traveled to Southeast Asia. And I'm not sure exactly where they went to. Yeah. Um, but they went someplace. And she had, I remember seeing pictures of when she came back of these big piles of jeans. Mm. And they would literally make these big piles of jeans. Right. And then there was just somebody who would walk over and grab X number of pairs and put whatever label on the jeans, really? right? And that's what they were buying. It, it, and it was like they had like all the little tags that said Jordash or all the different ones. Yeah. And it, it wasn't like they were making a certain product right. for that line. They were just right. throwing a label on anything and then sending it out. And I thought that was really kind of a – that was very interesting because you always say, I don't think that's true today, but back that was back in the 80s. Well, you know, Saipan, CNMI, yeah. they had a good thing back in the 80s. Um, because they were USA, still considered right. part of USA, um, companies like Gap and Nike would, uh, the textile business in Saipan was huge. Made, really? It made lots of people millionaires. And if you were, like in the States, let's say you were in uh, a Gap and uh Redondo Mall or something like that, or uh, South Coast Plaza, and you looked at the tag, it says, proudly made in the CNMI underneath oh, wow. it, yeah. And um, and so these textile giants, mostly from Taiwan, they had created factories in Saipan, and uh, U.S. companies loved it because they could proudly say made in USA. Right. Walmarts would buy the shit out of it. Uh, gap, you know, I was kind of pro-American right. back then, and um, and then uh, there's a guy named Aber Aberloff or whatever his name is. Um, he he got all these. Uh, he was kind of a lobbyist in Washington, and he got all. The, there was a movie around him, and Saipan and Guam kind of gets this little cameo, like this crooked little island, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he gets like all these Washington bigwigs in trouble because basically there was this. There was this little thing on the immigration law that Saipan can bring in Chinese workers. And so they were paying these guys like pennies, like just yeah. like a Chinese factory, but on U.S. soil. And that's wow. why U.S. companies would be able to go and say, boom, 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 boom. So you had to check out that. Uh, there's a, I think it's on Netflix still or wherever, but it's it's on um, Abramoth, Abr Abramoth, I want to say. And uh, you get big-time senators that you know, Bob Dole, all these guys are implicated into this ring oh. of corruption. Oh, no. Both Democrat, Republican, yeah. like across the board. Well, but the money's there. There's, that's, well, some that, of them, but money and corruption go either party. Well, well, the movie was funny because some of these big, big-time senators, they're like, Guam, don't we have a base there? They're like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, what's this other thing? What's this Saipan thing? They're like, uh, it's just like north of Guam or whatever it is and they're like and they just sign it because <laughs> they, they don't give a yeah, shit exactly they don't give a shit is it good for the American economy yeah okay sign it. sign it that's just the way shit goes over there but but yeah that's one thing and then you should rent or, or not. nobody rents anymore uh I'm dating myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you, you still have a VHS? <laughs> you should you should uh, stream something called uh, Billionaires and that's the story of Larry Hillbloom DHL fame, the yeah. Express. He lived in Saipan, but also was a resident of Guam. 
And, oh, wow. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he disappeared one day on an airplane crash that nobody knows about, and he was always fighting with the IRS. He was worth about $100 million. So you're looking at, what, today's standards, maybe half a, half a billion dollars worth. He never paid taxes, always went to the Philippines, probably impregnated all of the strip bars. Yeah. <laughs> this dude was a bad dude, you know? And uh, they made an HBO movie about him. And one more HBO movie uh, was uh, Air America. Yeah, okay. And there's a local star there. His name is Evan Montville Cohen. And uh, he's like you or I, just regular citizen USA. But he is such a fucking crooked <laughs> bastard. <laughs> and you probably read about him in the paper like last couple of right. months. He is like... He's such a grifter, and he's. You remember that uh, movie uh, that Leonardo DiCaprio was in, uh, Catch Me If You Can. Do you yes. remember that movie? Yeah, I do. He was just like a in, like a shyster. Yeah. That's Evan. He borrowed money from Gita, like I want to say, not millions, but at least hundreds of thousands of dollars. They stopped pursuing him because he said he had brain tumor, and he was in New York. Like you have New York. You're in New York. He's like, yeah, I got, I'm New York getting brain tumor treatment like okay well fuck it we're not gonna go after you well yeah brain tumor <laughs> uh he there's Sorensen uh radio station right. here well there's a guy named rex Sorensen. and he used to own the place he was under rex's i mean he was under evan's spell and uh he would just fund every project that evan would do including one called air america which was started in new york while he had brain cancer and then he would get um, a bunch of uh, far-left on-air personalities, and the, and the mission was, you know, let's let's combat Rush Limbaugh. Let's combat all the right, mm-hmm. right-wing Sean Hannity's. And they convinced, I think, the Girl Scouts of America um, retirement fund or whatever they were invested in, Van- Vanguard was suckered into it. And, um, yeah, they just, they shysted the whole thing. And, was, wow. and we're watching this. And this, I know, uh, one degree separation, he tried to sell me his portfolio before he left here. Yeah. Because I run an ad agency, and he's like, you should buy my ad ad, ad clients. I'm like, why would I buy your ad client? It's not like a bank where there's a loan paper or something. <laughs> like that. I, I could just go to them and say, hey, how would you like to be yeah. my client tomorrow? Right. And they'll be like, yeah, sure. I said, oh, good. And then he, then he goes, and he tried to sell me his apartment. He goes, I, I have a 30-year deed, uh, lease, um mortgage on this uh, so I'm leaving though but if you would want to buy it for me um, I'll sell it to you for this cheap I go okay well, what's what's the, what's the catch Evan because I know you he goes well I can't give you the deed I can't give you the because I it's tied in with other loans so you just keep paying me the monthly <laughs> And I'll, I'll, uh, it's kind of like a con- it's kind of <laughs> like a timeshare salesman. Yeah. So then uh, he was buying me lunch. So at the time, I, I asked the waitress to come over. I go, Hey, uh, do you have one of those things uh, with those makeup things? What's it called? It's got a mirror on it. She goes, Oh, compact. I go, Yeah. Can you bring it for me? She goes, Oh, I don't think we I can do that. I go, Oh, that's too bad. I just needed a mirror. She goes, Why? Because I just need to see if I'm on my forehead. Said. <laughs> fucking stupid <laughs> asshole you know dumbass and, and Evan's like hey that's not cool I'm like dude that's not cool you're trying to steal from me huh. so anyway boom you should you Evan Monville Cohen when you go home tonight and you're bored or you, you've got a couple hours to kill on your iPhone you'll be Wait amazed how much 
criminal activity. This guy, his wife, his own wife and son, testified against him. Wow, that's how bad it was. That's saying something. <laughs> yeah. Usually, you can trust your family. Well, he left him in Hawaii. Oh, like wow. at the airport. Oh. Literally at the airport. They're like, oh, we're supposed to fly. He goes, oh, there's no ticket for you. They're like, no, no. He said there was a ticket. No, no. He left, but he. Wow. <laughs> no ticket. How do you do that to your wife and your own and child? Your own child. That's crazy. Anyway, enough. Well, that. that's somebody with that's somebody without a conscience. No, this guy's crazy, bro. So if if you ever get a, a a client at your pet hospital, and and it says Montville Cohen as last name, uh oh, I have to go check our records when Evan, I get back. Yeah. You'd be like, he goes, and if he says, "Can I speak to Doctor Bob, please?" You'd be like, <laughs> uh, "Send him the nurse. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him I'm in operation." Yeah. I'm- I'm knee deep. I'm, I'm I'm elbows deep in an abdomen right now. Yeah, I'm removing a fourth, a fifth leg. Uh, yeah, impossible to meet him right now. Yeah, lick it up, lick it up. Okay, what's next, bro? All right, so we're going to 1942. This is Don Julio. This is kind of the classic tequila that most people would would know. Uh, do you um, think this watching is, movies? This is the time to break out the cigar, or what? I think it'd be a great time. Okay, let's do it. Let's do that. By the way, I got to thank you for giving me this tremendous gift finger <laughs> trip in mexico yeah we won't uh, don't go into the details we won't go into details but <laughs> thanks for the cigars. it wasn't marijuana <laughs> cigars everybody cigars it was unexpected he was uh very nice of you we actually had some fun we uh did you get to smoke any of these no i don't i smoke I, I'm embarrassed by what I smoke. My my mom, believe it or not, used to smoke a cigar once a year on her birthday. Mm-hmm. And so every year on her birthday, I will smoke a cigar. And usually we'll smoke one or two during the year just kind of on a weekend or something else. All right. It's kind of hanging out. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big, I'm not a big smoker in general. Um, right. But I understand, I, uh, I appreciate people who do and understand why they like them well i wasn't a big cigar smoker um many years and um maybe in like uh college i i this is you know i played around with cigarettes for a little bit and then uh, i was done with that but and i never did enjoy a cigar because i i was smoking it wrong so i learned how to smoke a cigar properly and it and it and you would you would think it was like many years ago this was literally like when COVID started. So yeah. I have a I have a friend who lives in Dominican Republic. Oh, wow. Okay. And I met him through the Hooters franchise because I opened a Hooters in Guam and Philippines um, many years ago. And so I met him through that because he has one in Dominican Republic. His name is Angel and Tavares, right? And, uh, and he's much younger than me, at least about 15 years younger than I am. And then he goes, you want a cigar? I go, no, nah, I don't smoke cigars, right? Because, oh, man, that's too bad. You know, I smoke one every day. I'm like, how do you smoke a cigar every fucking day? Anyway, fast forward to COVID. I'm like, I'm thinking everybody's going to die because that's the way it was, you know, set up. And then eventually you, like, figure out no one's going to really die. And then um, people did die, but not from COVID. COVID. So I call him up. I go, hey, I'm doing this podcast because just in case I go too early, my kids need to know, like, I have friends beyond Dedido. Like, like I got friends in Dominican Republic. He's like, okay, shoot, man, let's do it. And so we dedicated the episode to cigars. And that's when I learned 
how to appreciate a cigar proper. It's things like retro and how to burn it and how to light it. Because a lot of people like you see the movies and you're like, yeah. you know, like like a mob well, boss. Well, show me, show yeah, me, yeah, what, yeah. show me what you got. Show me how to so, do this properly. All right. So then I, that's when I'll I get st- you hooked on some good tequila. You can get me yeah. hooked on cigars. So first of all, you got to get a nice little cut. Yeah. And get a nice cutter. Doesn't have to be expensive. And you want to just get just the edge of it. Just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, not a, not a lot. Because it'll unfold on you. So this is the, this is the, uh, this is the one you got me. The guillotine. Yeah. The cutter here. Well, there this one go. just does the little slit. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. There so. you go. Adventures. Yeah. Adventures with Kaz. <laughs> <laughs> and then you don't want the flame to touch directly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm making a mess over here. That's okay. That's what that ashtray is for. <laughs> don't worry about I don't it. Oh, I missed the ashtray. Yeah. Cutting the end. I think it might be the quality of the cigar I have. Might have something to do with it. <laughs> and also the age of the cigars. I think these are from my my mom's birthday last september is that right i think they may have dried out a little bit but we'll see well how long has mom been gone she's been gone for almost five years now oh yeah uh, same as my dad you know you never how old was she when she passed she was uh just turned 80 oh she died at christmas right after uh she turned 80 was she sick much or she um, had always been pretty healthy, and then she got what's called Lewy body disease. Um, what is that? So it's kind of a form of dementia, um, hmm. and it's actually with uh, what apparently are kind of like arteriosclerosis, where you get deposits of uh, cholesterol, but they're okay. in your brain, not in your cardiac arteries. Oh. And uh, my mom was a straight-A student at UC Berkeley. And she never let me forget it. <laughs> I was unlike, going there. She's like, unlike I'm you. Like, I'm like, Mom, you were in the liberal arts, right? You weren't yeah, in the yeah. sciences department, and the school back there was a lot smaller. But she would, uh, her her uh, big thing that she said that always made me really sad was that she goes, it's really a bummer to know what you're going to die from and that you are mm. the weakest, the weakest one in the herd. Wow. And that was always something that, always frightened me and it changed my attitude towards life quite a bit and actually a lot of that was one of the reasons why i came to guam because you can sit there and wait for life to come to you right or you can go out there and go get it that's it right there and i think it's much better to go get it and to go after it and because you never know what's going to happen i was in a pretty bad car accident a few years back um again uh probably about a year before I came to Guam, and that was kind of part of that whole thing. Of I oh, think, really, that's that f- recent. Yeah, about six years ago. Yeah, yeah. I got hit uh, seventy uh, CHP estimated. I got hit broadsided at seventy-five mile an hour on the uh, on the uh, one hundred five freeway going into LA in South Central LA on a Sunday morning, seven fifteen in the morning, in a rainstorm. Some yeah, guy pe- was bombing along, lost control of his car, and wiped out my entire pickup truck. And uh, I actually broke the uh, driver's side window with my head. Wow. That's how hard I got hit. Wow. Yeah. 
Well, people don't know how to fucking drive in Southern California in well, rain. <laughs> like, yeah, what the well, fuck is this? Well, it's meteorites. It's also the speed, too. The yeah. guy was going quite fast. Um, but, you know, you uh, you spend a few months and kind of recovering and a few MRIs later and you realize, yeah. huh, life that, could have been, that could have been it. Yeah, life That short. could have been it. I got to do that, stuff. Well, and that's kind of why my wife and I, we decided to just kind of pick up and go. We always wanted to retire to Hawaii, but there was too many Californians there, Yeah, quite frankly. And I still like California. Mm-hmm. I just think that the vibe there has gotten so different. And so I'm pretty much at a point where we, we were going to move to Hawaii when we retired. Right. And we actually looked at jobs there, and I took some interviews and everything else. And I finally decided that I should just... You know, let's go and let's go someplace and have some fun, right? And not wait till we retire because you just never know. Um, you know, when you get to be fifty years old, you start seeing some of your friends. You know, right? Instead of asking questions like, you know, you ask them, "Hey, what'd you do this week?" Yeah, and they start talking about their doctor's appointments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of like they're like, "Uh oh, that's going right. to be." You're right. You're like, uh, so I'm fifty-two this year. Um, August, and but already I've lost so many classmates or younger guys too. You know, like yeah. guys you don't that have were, to be old to die. Guys that were juniors or se- uh, sophomores uh, when I was a senior. So I'm like, that fucking guy died. Why? Oh, and then you see a picture of them on Facebook, and you're like, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, we've had I've had six of my classmates die, and I graduated in '94, and mm-hmm. I was one of the older people in the class. And so there have been a bunch of, I mean, everything from breast cancer to, to all sorts of weird, yeah. you know, prostate cancer, you know, yeah. pancreatic. Two guys have actually died of pancreatic cancer. Wow. Which is And that's uh, curable, horrible. right? No. No. It's a bad cancer. Oh, it's a really sorry, pancreatic. pancreatic. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah, they're prostate. They're usually very prostate, painful. Yeah. Anyway, to 1942, to living a long, Cheers. healthy life. Salud. And to chasing it. There, there you go, brother. See, now we're back to smooth. Yeah, how about that? And there's like a little bit of a vanilla. coffee, vanilla. vanilla. Is that what I'm saying? Vanilla. Yeah, okay. It's yeah. actually something about the barrels that they do this in. And I think oh, traditionally it's always been, it's, it's usually white oak, mm. but there's then French oak. And I think the French oak brings out the vanilla, I think. I have to drink right. some more to find out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She can't drink it too fast. So do you know what te amo means? No, I don't. I think it means love. I love you or love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what it is. Love you, I think. Yeah, love you. That's In right. Italian, it'd be, you know, te amo, I love you. Right. So this uh, particular label, the the crown, I had that cigar thing up on the, on the screen just to show you. We're pretty high tech here. Yeah. This is pretty impressive. Oh, your cigar aficionado. Here you go. Yeah. So we are smoke. We I'm smoking this gift from you, which is from Nicaragua. Okay. Tobacco. It's got 86 points. So anything over 80 is considered a, a good cigar. Okay. That's good because I didn't really know what I was buying. I was yeah. going by the concierge's husband. <laughs> the place oh, who smokes really? cigars. And he says, yeah. I think I can go get you some good cigars. I'll be back in a little bit. 
So I always I always keep the the crown or the the label as some people call it, um, and I put it in a little moleskin uh, journal that I keep track of. Okay. And I say, you know, this was it felt it tasted like this or it tasted like that. You know, kind of keep track of it like I used to with wine and whatnot. You know, when I I wish I wish I met you in my heydays here when I owned a bunch of restaurants and this is fun. way before COVID and so I had a place called. Uh, Colors Restaurant Red. I mean, it was like a 350 capacity uh, fine wow. dining. Yeah, so I had guys. I, we specialized in steak, and we would bring in them in from Chicago and New York and stuff. And we would bring in um, oysters from Japan. There you go. Yeah, I mean, just good stuff. That's when the economy could handle it. And um, and I would travel to Philippines a lot because I had other partners who wanted to do the Hooters thing, and yeah. I was in a big Hooters, I mean, I like to invent my restaurants. Like, I like to do my own restaurant brands. I don't mind going to Hooters or Outback or whatever, you know. But I don't want to, that's not what I want to do. You know, that's someone else's idea. But I was only, I was the only one with a restaurant experience. So, these guys had money. And they're like, we want a Hooters. I'm like, okay, well, great. I know why you want a Hooters, but. (laughs) (laughs) And Hooters knew that too. So, they're like, you need a partner that has restaurant experience. So. Boom, I came in, I flew to Shanghai, we, we signed the deal for when they did the Shanghai Hooters. And so that allowed me international travel, which I wouldn't have been able to do uh, had I just done local restaurants. So I had to go to, I was in Shanghai learning, Philippines learning, you know, all sorts of parts of aid, Thailand learning for the expansion of Hooters. But each time I went there, I would buy like a bottle of wine for my restaurant, because you could bring about four or five bottles back. I bring about five, always two for two for the restaurant, two for me, exact brand, so I can drink it and see if it's shit, and then sell the other one in the restaurant to a good customer. So there was always this like world collection that I would have, and um, so I would have African wines, New Zealand oh, wow. wines, everywhere, like everywhere, because these places sold them, and they didn't have the same export uh, import restrictions as uh, the U.S. did. And you can, if for private consumption, you can bring in uh, a few of these things. Um, at least wine. I don't know about cigars, but wine you could. And so I would call my, my clients and say, hey, uh, I got some new wines. Like, is it good? I go, well, come to the restaurant, I'll tell you. So they come, and uh, so I go, take a look. So I got some South African wines, blends, whatever. And I go, I've drank them all already. So you can ask me questions. She goes, oh, okay, what about this brand? I go, oh, that was shit. Because, oh, how bad was it? It was really bad. You want to buy it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, was it really bad? I go, yeah, you need to try it, though. Like, you need to try how bad it is so that you can say one yeah. day in a fucking bougie party, mm-hmm. have you ever had this brand from yeah. South Africa? It's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there's some credence to saying to somebody how bad something is because that meant that means that you're just that more worldly than they are. Yeah, you actually tried something that they like. like yeah. You don't know this. Well, I know this. So, yeah. so they would open it and they drink it and they'd be like, "Yeah, that's that's pretty bad." I go, "Yeah." You want a new bottle of something else? She goes, yeah. So right there, I made 25 bucks right there. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't have to drink it yourself. And I didn't have right? to drink it. Yeah. I go, okay, guys, can I give it to the cook so they can. You know, use it for cooking, but yeah, salute, man. This is good. You like this? I so enjoy 1942 this. Nineteen forty-two is yeah. is is never wrong. 
I think I enjoy this the most so far. It's got... You're going in the right direction. Yeah, it's got the nice balance of... I feel like you're a big marlin, <laughs> and I got you on the hook at this point. Yeah, I'm not swimming away. No, no. Yeah, well, that's I, all good. We'll get yeah, you in the boat. I'm, I'm not quite... We'll get you in the boat. Yeah, I was fighting earlier, but... Uh, we'll get you in the boat. The... Uh, yeah, I think that... I mean, here... I love Guam, and it's something where... You, know, you asked me earlier about why did I come to Guam. Yeah. And again, I was looking for something different. I had gotten really tired of California. Yeah. Thought I was going to move to Kona. We had actually job interviewed there. Got a couple job offers. Yeah. Had sold the practice. Started to get the practice sold in California. Selling the house. Just selling like we're done. You know. Oh, I'm so not you had a, you had your own practice in California. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. I got you. So we were actually we had, had a couple of practices over a few years, and had bought and sold as we moved from kind of the Orange County out to Inland Empire. Okay. And. We came to Guam, and I was here when the North Koreans had threatened. Oh, yeah. I remember those days. So I'm staying at the top floor of a hotel doing a job interview with one of the local clinics here. And I'm, you know, I'm having a pretty good time. I'm starting to meet things, kind of starting to settle in. I've been here for about a week. Oh. The next thing I know, I get a phone call at 6.15 in the morning from my wife, absolutely just (laughs) in a panic, you know. She's like, you know, Guam's being bombed by the North Koreans. You got to come home, you know. And I'm like, you know, like, the sun's just coming up. <laughs> I remember and that. I'm, and I'm so looking many. around and I'm like, well, hold on a second. I look out the hotel and I look kind of north towards Anderson. Yeah. Nothing, no smoke or anything. And I look south down to Big Navy and nothing going on there. I look down at the street and people are just going to work. And I go, honey, I think, I don't know. I think, you know, the news are kind of blowing this out of proportion, I think. As usual. And uh, I, you know, turn on the TV. I go, I'll call you back in a few. Let me turn on the local TV and see what's going on. And, of course, at that time, Eddie Calvo was the the governor. And and, uh, he's on there with, you know, uh, Admiral whomever and, you know, all the the Army and Navy brass and everything else. Right. They're kind of like, I think we got this handled. And. You know, we're gonna go down to have a go down to you know Epau and yeah. hang out. And of course, I wasn't staying very far from there, so I had the day off. And I walked down there later, and you know, there were five thousand people partying like they were, you know, not a crazy, worry in the world. Like, not a worry. Yeah. And I went, you know, this is a culture that I find very, <laughs> very good. It's like you know, we just been threatened with nuclear war, and the only thing we're gonna do is we're gonna, you know what, we're gonna die drunk and naked. That's yeah, great. Biba. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And I just sat there and I was like, this. And I called my wife back, you know, that afternoon. I just yeah. said, hey, you got to come out. Yeah. This is, you You wouldn't believe this. I was like on FaceTime with her and I'm like showing her the, the what's going on in the park. And I'm walking through the park and there are people just partying, having a great time. And everybody's hugging each other. And everybody's like, hey, this is great. And I'm thinking, this is what I've been searching for all my life. Right. This is paradise. This is the way people are supposed to be. Oh, that's beautiful. It was really, it was really, it was a life-changing experience. Yeah. There was also the fact that I got a hernia trying to get out of priest <laughs> pools, not to go back and have <laughs> surgery. I couldn't, I jumped in, I couldn't get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had that happen slippery, once. Little slippery rocks there. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So, so, and then, so what, how, did it take long to convince her? Or she no, was, actually, she flew out about a week and a half later and spent some time here, and we kind of went yeah. around the island, and, and uh 
the people at the time that I was working with were really the crew there was absolutely phenomenal, nice yeah. people, and uh, they took us around you know their island, kind of showed us everything that was there, and literally, um, we walked into Mariso. I can no tell you exactly when I I can tell you exactly when I decided to move to Guam. Uh, song called by Guns N' Roses, "Sweet Child of Mine," mm-hmm. and uh, was walking, got out of the car, started walking down the pier, and all of a sudden, "Sweet Child of Mine" starts playing, and that's kind of been a special song for Tammy and I. <laughs> and I looked at her, got a little tear in my eye. She got a little tear in her eye. She looked at me and she goes, "Go ahead, I know you need to go do it." So I ran down to the pier and just did a big old cannonball off the end of the pier, right? And just like <laughs> I just like threw myself into the water. She jumped in and we sat out there for about two and a half, three hours, and it was just like you know, this is it. I was I was there with uh, a guy and I work with. His name is Frank. He's a wonderful man, really good family man. He and his wife Nate both work for us, work with us and on our team. And you could see the love in their hearts with their family and how important that was. And that was something for me that was always been really important. And, and again, it was something where you're searching for something where you feel like this is home. Yeah. This is where yeah. you should be. Right. And that's a beautiful thing about Guam is that it's about family. Right. And it's not about, it's not about the way you look. I mean, think about all the different people here on Guam. You've oh, got everything so from diverse. Russian to yeah. Chinese to Japanese to Korean to South Africa, New Zealand, Australia. Oh, U.S., right? Mainland, right. Chamorro, Filipino. I mean, I've met more people here, right? Mm, yeah. And I just have a hard time keeping up with all the languages and all the <laughs> yeah. accents. I'm just, you know, I'm kind of struggling some days. Yeah, if you go to Payless, it's like UN. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> vegetable section, UN, yeah. But, it, but it's wonderful. I mean, yeah. I've seen vegetables here. I didn't know what they are. I still don't know what they are. Five choy. or six. I, I have no <laughs> idea. I'm looking at the, what is this thing with all the thorns on it? Oh, the and, bread fruit. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, or some of these other fruits. I've, yeah. I've, I've figured out mangoes. Mm-hmm. You know, the different species of mangoes mm-hmm. and which ones I like and which ones I don't. Yeah. Uh, the different avocados. I was always used to, we lived near the avocado highway. Sure, sure. So Mexico, I thought avoc- California, both. I thought they were Haas avocados. They were the ones are out there. And now I see these big old avocados and I'm just like, oh, these are so good. Yeah. You got so, you got to grow the avocado tree, and then you have endless. I got to get out of a condo to oh, grow oh, an avocado. In condo, I'm in a yeah. condo, so it's a little hard. I, in fact, I just got a, I just got a notice <laughs> from. Oh, did you? I grew a lot of orchids. Oh, okay. And so that's kind of one of my orchids in Plumeria. I used to live in, in Chico. the balcony. Something you're growing them? Yeah, and I just got a little uh, a out little notice hand. from the owner homeowners <laughs> association that I need to kind of like cut down the 35 Vanda orchids I have outside oh. my front door that are blooming and beautiful and and I love them and it's been a learning process it's been a challenge they're uh, they're difficult but they are just absolutely phenomenal so you used to have a lot of aquariums and things like that you kind of have to yeah. express your artistic side and sure. see some of the other things that are out there well, um, you, you were telling me you're, you're looking at a house yeah that, yeah, that's that kind of, of a that we were looking at a house. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we got uh, a bid. Yeah, it's crazy. We'll there. see what happens. We'll see what happens. We're uh, prices are crazy. Well, I think that if the people get what they think that they're going to get for the house, I give them a big pat on the back. But okay, but so you don't want to just build a house? You don't well, want to get land and build it? We're actually looking that way, and yeah. so I'm kind of looking. I've got a real estate agent that's been working for us, and she's been. You know, she's been pretty good, and we're looking to see if that's an option. I talked to a friend who's a contractor who says he can mm-hmm. build us a house and do all that. And we're kind of at that point where we need to buy that last house you're going to live in, mm-hmm. you know, the live and die house at the mm-hmm. end of your lives as you get older, right? Yeah. I'm going to be here for the next 30 years. And, and so is that your commitment? Is that how you feel right now? 
Oh, I'm not leaving Guam. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to drag me out in chains if they're going to get okay. me out there. Right. I have no desire to go back to California or anyplace else. I, yeah. I, I have settled into the Guam culture. In fact, when I go mm. back home and I'm driving on the freeways in L.A., You're like, yep. where I used to do 90 to 100 miles an hour in a pickup truck, I'm now going, you know, 45 and think I'm speeding, you know. It's yeah, you're just like, kinda, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's, whoa, what's where are the all rush? these people? These people are crazy. You know? <laughs> yeah, what's the rush, guys? Come on. I used to be one of these people. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. Uh, we, uh, yeah, I, I have settled into the Guam culture. Well, and it's nice. fun. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a beautiful place to live. It's a quaint little part of the world that you can kind of feel like you're yeah. away from. Now, do you, do you, do you guys have kids? Uh, I have one son who's, uh, 30. Has yeah. he visited Guam yet? He's lives here. He actually oh, followed he us here. Oh, yeah. okay. Good he for him. He's here and he's, he's, uh, he actually is, uh, helping with the front desk at the hospital and things oh, like that. He's I think cur- I met him then. Yeah. Yeah, he that's Anthony. The, yeah, he gave me the cigar. She goes, Gaz? Yeah. I go, yeah. I was like, how do I know this guy? Yeah, that's Anthony. Okay. Well, okay. I wonderful, didn't... wonderful kid. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, he uh, came to Guam uh, kind of unexpectedly, um, but we're happy that he's here. And he's, he went back to the States for a little while, got back to the States. And after about five months, he was here for a couple of years. Yeah. Went back to Seattle for a short period of time and said, uh, I get it. I'm okay. coming back. All I'm right. coming back. So he's acclimated here. Yeah. I think he's he's going to be here for a very long time. Yeah. But that happens a lot with younger kids that are here because of their parents or whatever. Or they like, yeah, it's okay, but it's too small, you know, this and that. But there's no Starbucks. There's no this. But then after a while, you go back after spending some time yeah. here, and you're like, it's not a big deal. You know, yeah. I can get good coffee at my house. I can, right. I can make, I can do everything I need. The only thing that I miss is live sports, like going to the stadium or something uh, like that. You know, but he's got to get up with them. Yeah, but but you know, you, you get. I'm a, a big F1 guy, so yeah, I watch F1. You yeah, know. you get a big enough TV, you're okay. Well, yeah. or or Sunday nights at three o'clock in the morning, you're watching the F1 race from Monaco last yeah, weekend. Things like go. that. I'm a. If, if you do, ever do a sports talk, I'm on uh, on F1. Let all me right. Know. Do you like that uh, Netflix series that they do? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Was it Drive to Win or whatever it's it called? Yeah. It's great. It was, I love that. I it, never. I, I I've watched an F one maybe twice once. I did the Long Long Beach Grand Prix. Oh, uh, beautiful! That's uh, a great race. Yeah, and I was like, but that was my first like real race that I watched, and like the first, I want to say forty five minutes, I totally blew it because I drank too fast. Because I'm oh, drinking, yeah. drinking, 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 drinking. <laughs> like woo! And it's like, <laughs> like yeah! And then like. You're in the sun. There's no cover, you know, because yeah. Long Beach, oh, yeah. it's not like a stadium oh, yeah. seating like they do in the other parts. And you're like, and you're like, and, and you're, sm- you're smelling the gasoline and the petrol in the in the in the air, and you're drinking, and you're like, and then after about like about an hour, you're like, I'm just gonna take a nap real quick, <laughs> <laughs> and then you wake up like two hours later, and you're like, what happened? Yeah, like, oh, this race is over, man. <laughs> you missed it. You yeah. missed it. And you peed in your pants. No. <laughs> Did I? No, we're just fucking with you. <laughs> There's a. I've kind of gone through the through the 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 sequence that a lot of people who like motorsports go through. You kind of start with one, and you kind of go on to the next one, and you go on to the next one. And you start to appreciate each one. I was a big NASCAR yeah. fan for years. Uh, Loved yeah. open wheel uh, IndyCar kart yeah. racing for a long time. Right. Uh, my son actually got to sit in Michael Andretti's race car that was qualified for the race wow and was and he got to at age five mm-hmm. he got to actually sit in the car nice. that went 
on the track the next day to race for with wow. Michael Andretti. Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. And I'm like, yeah, I got into a, they had a car at the show there that you could sit in yeah. and I got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get out of it. Like, I'm stuck in the seat, man. Yeah, Somebody's yeah, got to yeah, help no, me I'm out of this. I'm a big boy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. Hey, I'm ready to race. Can somebody give me a wheel and we'll just, you know, we'll drive this out on the race car. Well, those, those guys aren't very big, most They're of them. They're small. Right? Except for, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, for the Red Bull team. Uh, what's his name? Vest, Vest, it starts with a V. Uh, oh, Verstappen? Verstappen. He's a big boy, isn't he? He's like no, he's two or no? No, 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 no. No, he's the, not that big. Ricardo is the biggest guy. He was the one that is was Ricardo was pretty tall. But most of them are actually pretty. Oh, pretty Ricardo's yeah, five he's, six maybe. He's like uh, Australian. He's Australian. Yeah, yeah. He's funny. Yeah. He's a nice, he, He's a great guy. He's got a great personality. He's that, always joking around with people and giving people a bad time. <laughs> they got that filthy mouth Japanese driver in that show. Oh, yeah. He just joined. Like he's, yeah. I think he's racing for Red Bull Honda, or yeah, whatever it is. He's uh, uh And he's got he's like learning Alpha Tar yeah. and he's just l- literally learning English. Oh, he just cusses he and swears the yeah. whole time. And and he, everybody, it's always everybody else's fault. He yeah. always crashes in practice. Yeah, he's like, fuck, shit, fuck, shit, <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, that's Yuki uh, Sonoda. Yeah, that's Yuki Sonoda. Sonoda. Yeah, yeah. He's actually, he's a pretty good guy. He actually did okay in Monaco, I think, Yeah, um, if I remember right. But we, he's, uh, like, he's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Because yeah. they're talking in his ear, ear, yeah. earmuffs too much. And, like, and then he crashes and goes, Fuck, fuck. Uh, sorry. Very, very sorry. Very sorry. sorry. <laughs> the engineers are like, oh, we got extra parts. Yeah, we that's, we that's, can re- you gave us, you crashed in, in free yeah. practice too, so we haven't yeah. had time to repair the car. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Miyagi-san went, uh, Daniel-san, no good, no good. No fuck shit, no fuck shit. <laughs> Stop it. You yeah. race. You no, race. It was a great. That last year's races was really great. Mm-hmm. We came down to the last race and the last lap, and Verstappen passed to Hamilton on the last lap, and they were battling all year w- long. What did you think of that controversy that the, was uh, made of it, like uh, the race on? Oh, I personally, yeah, I think they did, that F one did the right thing. They let the racers race. Yeah, you can't but, let these guys go this long. But he was replaced this year. Well, there was there were a couple things that happened, and yeah. Mercedes. Let's see. Uh, I've got some friends who are here on island that watch. That's the evil empire, Mercedes. Well, and I always said that, you know, Hamilton's a talented driver. There's no doubt about it. Sure. But But that's their Anakin Skywalker. Well, you have a, if you have the best car out there and your technology is so far ahead of everybody else, especially in the hybrid era where they're doing the hybrid, you know, the electric and the hybrid motors, you, you have a, a distinct advantage. Okay, so else. so let's back up for those that are like just getting into that Netflix series, right? Oh, you got to watch it first of all because you yeah. love all the backstory, right? But when when I was watching it, and Kelly's like, "Well, what's what's the deal?" I go, "Well, there's the constructor series, and then there's right. the driver series, or whatever the drivers championship, I should say." But everybody wants that constructor series because they get this big pot of money. Yep. So my understanding is. And, and maybe I'm wrong because uh, I'm I'm not that knowledgeable about it. But um, the way I understand it is everybody has to build their own car under a certain amount of money. And they, specs. And, and specs. That changed. Right? The money changed this year. Oh, did they? There were some big changes this year. Yeah. So uh, walk me through it. What what makes it so unique it, in terms of a sports uh, uh, a racing format? Well, when you have like Ferrari dominated – 
when Michael Schumacher was driving, mm-hmm. right? And they mm-hmm. kind of had, had an advantage over a lot of people with their technology. That's why I started smoking Marlboros. Because <laughs> of that fucking yeah, F1. Yeah. Well, and what happens is that you end up having, you know, somebody gets ahead in the technology or the technology changes and somebody gets an advantage and the teams are always, the other teams are always a year behind. So you get somebody and then they get a really good driver. Right. And the drivers want to win. Right. So the best driver that's out there will try to go to the best team. And the best team wants to have the best driver, so they win the driver's championship. I mean, it's right. just, you know, you put the best with the best and you're going to win. So the drivers try to win to impress the manufacturers, basically, the, the engineering teams. And then the engineering engineering guys are actually that gets the big bucks to. They, they my, I, I know it's. Tens and tens of millions of dollars if you win the construction. I think it's twenty million dollars. Yeah, it's that, a big pot of money. Yeah, at the end of the year. that basically funds the race team for the next year, right? I mean, so it to does. Speak. But they yeah. put limitations on things. Oh, and now that they did that, Mercedes this year, and they changed the specs on the car. Yeah, Mercedes isn't dominating anymore. Right. Ferrari and Red Bull are, and even Haas, the American team, right. is actually doing much better than they were. One yeah. of the teams, the Williams teams, is not doing so well. Um, yeah, but that's, that's they'll that, catch up. They'll catch up. It'll take them a year or two to catch. They'll get you. They'll take them a year or two to catch up, mm-hmm. but they'll get there. And the good news about it is that they can. They're not. It's not. You know. Well, there if are you story, think about F one sports franchise Williams well, team. Yeah. yeah. But they run. I mean, they go through their ups and downs like everybody else. I mean, Mercedes. Right. Got money to burn. Sure. And so I used to have this argument about Hamilton that he wasn't as good a driver as a lot of people claim he was. He just had a really good car. Well, he had a really good car, but he was also, uh, when we watch F1, it's uh, English broadcast. Okay. So he's from England. Sure. So any English driver is going to get favorable. Sure, you know? sure. And then you have the Dutch driver. And Max Verstappen is just an absolute animal on the track. He's very aggressive. He is. Yeah. And this year, even though he had two DNFs, did not you know did not finish the race, he actually is now in the lead of the championship because mm-hmm. of his coming back and winning some races. And he's beating Ferrari at this point. They actually Red Bull after Monaco went ahead, um, went ahead, mm-hmm. and actually after uh, the span the Spanish race went ahead, the Barcelona race, and then they went ahead even further a little bit. So it's a real fight between Red Bull and Ferrari this year. And Mercedes is somewhere in the back. And what's interesting is you have a young driver for Mercedes. Yeah. Right? This young buck that was in Formula 1 for the last year or two, and he kind of come up through F2. And he's beating Hamilton all the time. Oh, is Hamilton he? is just just livid. Pissed. You can just hear it in the car. He's, like, he's you know, he's he's almost as – he's not as, as – uh, how do you want to say? As uh, – as uh, lively as Sonoda, the Japanese driver, yeah, but he's yeah, turning yeah. other. And there's, there's even a driver from China now. Oh, is there? It's a new guy. New guy, and so he's uh, he's who's the Sao? who's the new driver for Mercedes? Um, oh god, uh, give me a minute. Um, we can Russell, we Russell, can Russell. I think his name is Russell. Was no, he driving for another company? He was driving for Williams, I think, last year. And oh, then yes. Moved over. Yeah, and the, he moved over. He's a Brit, right? Yeah, he's a Brit. So I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so, I know who you're talking about. And McLaren, you got uh, Lando Lando Norris, who's mm-hmm. actually doing really well. Mm-hmm. And he is under the tutelage of Ricardo. 
right? Yeah. And that well, Ricardo we're... left Red Bull, right? And went. He um, went to Infinity, didn't he, for a while? Uh, well, you're It's actually. Um, oh, he went the other way. Sorry, he was with uh, Infinity uh, Renault. Yeah, Renault. It's really weird. The teams change because it's Alpine or Alpine, if you're from England. Yeah. Um, Those guys now got. And it's now with Renault. And then it's it's a di- they've changed all the different things of these different yeah. they're doing different partnerships yeah and it got a, it's 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 only been a few races in so it's kind of hard to sort out because they'll talk about Alpine and then you have to find out who actually builds the engine who's building didn't, the didn't chassis. Didn't go to uh, McLaren? Is, yeah, McLaren. Yeah, McLaren, right? Yeah. So, so. McLaren's going to do pretty good. Um, yeah. They're going to do they're going to do kind of the the best of the rest, so mm-hmm. to speak. I think. Um, and they're going to fight with Mercedes all year. And that's always fun to watch Hamilton kind of get really mad in the middle of the race and <laughs> see his really frustration because yeah. he won seven championships. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants to see the champion fall at some point. You know? Well, I mean, you had Michael Schumacher, right? And yeah. Michael Schumacher was in the day where there was not as much technology in the cars. They were a little right. simpler back then, and it was about aggression. And Schumacher with Ferrari dominated for seven championships. Uh, but he did it racing. Pardon? His son is racing. Correct. He races yeah. for Haas. Yeah. And his son's coming along. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, to me, was a real racer because he was somebody who was, right. uh, how do you want to say? He didn't. It wasn't about the technology as much as it was, although it was obviously some technology with Ferrari was ahead. Right. But he raced for different teams and he won championships. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter the car. Well... I mean, it always matters that, the car, but, yeah, it, it, but, it, but he went to Ferrari when they weren't that's, winning, that's, when they weren't winning, and yeah. then worked with Ferrari to make them a winning team. He went from, I forget he was, I think he was racing with Williams, and he won a championship or two, and then he went to Ferrari. They didn't win anything for a couple of years, and then when he was like in his third year at Ferrari, they started winning right. championships again, and I think he brought over his knowledge and his passion and really became a leader of the team. So it was kind right. of a... An interesting thing, but it's well, fun to watch the cars because the the different races, and they're going to do. We were talking about Vegas earlier next year, yeah, November in Vegas. They're doing a street race at night in Vegas. Really, it's going to be phenomenal. I've already signed up for all the next year. Next year, two thousand twenty three. Are they? How do you get the tickets? You do lobby. You, you actually, you go on the F one website. Lottery? They haven't even they haven't even uh, announced when the race is. Yeah. So you know when that race is going to announce all that. So everyone's like, everyone's trying to figure out, well, what weekend do I reserve my room for? How do I get there, right? Exactly, and, and doing that. I'm well, I've got to... a friend in Vegas. He's got a nice house. Does he? Yeah, maybe if we can all get tickets, we'll just That'd stay be... at his house. That'd be great. We'll do a little I, race do a three-day party. event there. Because yeah. it's the, as you say, you go through the different racing. Um, F1's, I, that's my favorite right now, but. The going to the actual race yeah. to me the best is to go watch the drag races. Mm. If you you know being in Southern yeah. California Pomona, you get two. You know, you get oh the yeah, the Pomona. The, the I graduated in Cal Poly. Did you ever go to the, the uh, yeah drag once races? once or twice? Yeah, <laughs> I was, I thought I was having a heart attack. The, heart, <laughs> the pounding of the engines when they go by, I thought I was having yeah. a heart attack. Well, like I said, I, I I love motor racing. I love I love I. You know, I fancy myself a street racer when yeah. I was younger. Not anymore. I'm in an SUV truck <laughs> Shh, now. <won't>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I have a 240Z Datsun oh, in, really? my, in my garage. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I had one too. Yeah, you had to check it I out. I had a 240, a 260, and a 280 oh, in, my, in my youth. Yeah, I have I have a 73Z uh, in oh, my garage. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's it's great condition. They're great cars. Yeah, we have this... Uh, 
we have Nissan's a client of mine actually. I don't know if you know Van Shelley, but uh okay. he he was our rotary member, but he, he quit. Um anyway, so they've got a seventy one in their showroom, which is not for sale. Yeah. Uh but um uh, so they wouldn't sell it to me. So I said, Okay, I'm gonna get my fucking own and so they were able to find one uh seventy three five speed there you go. orange and um wasn't my favorite color, but you know, fuck it. You right. Know, it's great condition. I ended up getting that from a Navy doctor who brought it from California, but then got transferred to, I want to say South Africa or something like that, whatever it was. Yeah. And he couldn't take it with him. So oh. I bought it for 12 grand. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. That's awesome. And I put, you know, and I, I've put my, my touches on it. Um, yeah. But I'm trying to keep it very. Um, you know, OEM, um, but a little bit retro mod, as they say, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not getting quite to the point where I'm going to change the engine and stuff like that. Not going to make it into a scarab? No, no. <laughs> but I'm so tempted. You know, there's guys that... Those Watch g- the engine go out the front of the car and the back end <laughs> yeah. fall apart. Well, there's there's these guys in Britain who uh, basically take a shell uh-huh. and you pay them $100,000 and they make this modern 240Z. Like everything except the chassis i mean they fix this chassis yeah. for you if it's bent or whatever yeah. but everything else is like brand new it's fuel injected it's got but it it's they keep it like real you know yeah. and um still feels like the original car but it's got all the modern yeah and they get these commissions like the air conditioning works yeah exactly <laughs> i have an air conditioning unit in mine it doesn't work and, uh, i remember i had an add-on afterwards an yeah. aftermarket aircon add-on yeah. mm. and it was like I thought that was really cool when I was 17. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I realized it didn't really work very well. No, it well. doesn't really work. <laughs> In fact, uh, when the kids are too noisy or, you know, Kelly's uh, complaining too much, I go, let's go for a ride. <laughs> and the, the gas fumes, just put them to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but you probably probably want to smoke a cigar in the car while yeah, you're driving. Yeah, no, I have a fire extinguisher <laughs> in, in the car. <laughs> Underneath the seat, just Yeah, they're like, what's that? Is that a fire extinguisher? Go, yeah. Yeah. Do you need one? I go, maybe. Yeah, don't know. One day. Maybe. <laughs> one day. I don't know what's happening down there. All I know is I can smell the gasoline. Is I, you know, like when I drive that on a Sunday or on a good day, cause, yeah. Uh, yeah, I come out, I, I smell like NASCAR. I smell like a racetrack, yeah. you know. I smell like Paul Newman. There you, you go. Know, if Paul Newman oh, yeah. had a deodorant, that's what he would smell yeah. like. <laughs> It'd be like unleaded 87. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, but I'm I'm uh, I've got a new brake kit uh, that came in. I have to get that installed. Uh, I fancy myself as a wannabe mechanic, so I I I, I get these things. I look at the instructions. I I I, I get the jack. I put up the car, and I go. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So <laughs> I take it to the nearest the mechanic. And I go. I've got some money. Yeah. I, I need you to I need you to put the brakes in so that it don't die. I I like the. Uh, Know what you know, know what you don't know, and don't bullshit the in between. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like, so, get into your profession real quick. And I don't mean to. Well, like, let's do one thing real quick. Yeah, oh let's yeah, just what, talk about what we're drinking. Oh here. yeah, what are we drinking? So we're here? on to number four. So we've done the 1942. We're on to Suavecito. This is an extra, an extra anejo. Um, smells good. This is uh, kind of a favorite of uh, another veterinarian and I on the island. Yeah. Who just recently retired from the Department of Oh, Ag. I know who that is. So you know who that is. Yeah. And uh, he and I were in Vegas, and we went to the store, and they had t- tequila tastings there. Okay. 
and we almost didn't make it home. <laughs> we were you we know, were like, wow, this is they have tastings, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, no kidding. He likes tequila, huh? Uh, he does now. He does uh, now, yeah. He does now. And we, spent we, we we've had some drinking sessions and he would just drink the Asahi. And uh I go and I would offer him whiskey or something. He goes, Oh no, 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 no. But he's, no. He's he, he's got a bottle of this at home. He's a he's a yeah. tequila tooth, huh? He's he's getting there. We we both we ought to all get together. Mm-hmm. It'd be a great time. Mm, yeah. Yeah. This is art but artisan. This is This like, is smooth. This is very it's smooth. A little sweet. It's uh there's a I don't know. Yeah, it's it's um it's super smooth. There's no burn. Smooth. It's Maybe a burn after about thirty just, seconds. Maybe just a little, like a yeah. little bit, right? So the uh, an ex- the extra nails are supposed to be done with dessert. So you're supposed to pair them with something sweet. Okay. So this reminds me, like if I were drinking a wine, it's like a port or something exactly. like that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So these are the after dinner. Your your blancos are supposed to be your so with your like, appetizers. Yeah, okay. Your your reposados are supposed to be with your. You know, are supposed yeah. to be with your meal, your main meal, and these are your after dinners. Okay, I think this is going to pair nicely with you. I know you didn't finish your. Oh my my uh, my yeah. amaretto cigar. Yeah, yeah. that looks that <laughs> it, it looks uh that looks yeah like, it looks like it uh, it needs some help. Yeah, that, that looks <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I won't. I wouldn't be a good host if I didn't. It, yeah. It's uh. Yeah, I'm gonna. Even it looks it it looks pretty decrepit. Yeah, I'm gonna even light this one for you. Thank you, I yeah. appreciate that very much. So while I'm doing this, you gotta you gotta explain to me. Um, we we started off with the stray dog problem. And yep. I, and when I was, I told a few close friends of mine, I go, "Hey, I got Doctor Bob going on a podcast." And they're Uh-oh. like, "I said so." Like, I get to ask him anything. Uh-oh. Free of, free of charge. <laughs> there you go. Here we go. <laughs> but uh, the, so two two things that, that came up. At some point, the stray dog population is going to take over all human beings here. Maybe they've already, already have. So what happens then? But the other thing about dogs, particularly about dogs, is like they're very social, right? Like mm-hmm. un, Unlike cats. Like cats are cool, but they're like very independent and They'll, they'll tell you right away, I like you, I don't like you. It's it's done. You, you're never going to really win over a cat. I mean, you have to work at it. But I've got two dogs. Um, I've got a pit and a, and a, you know, what they call a domestic short hair. Okay. <laughs> a boonie dog. <laughs> yep. They get along all the time. The boonie dog is um, a couple of years older than the pit. The pit was a baby when we got we got her. They're both females, both fixed. So we thought, okay, maybe it won't work out. But it was such a, it was a puppy. So I, we thought right. it took her in like a, like a baby. Right. And it did. I, I mean, it was very okay. Once in a while, though, they'll get into violent, vicious, yeah, fucking MMA fights. You know. Oh yeah. And it looks horrible. No, and 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 the and yeah, and Lucy, who's the domestic short hair, will mm-hmm. tap out. Almost yeah. all the time. Wasn't always that case. How old is she now? Uh, three years. Okay. Tom knows Lucy yeah. very well. Root beer, which is the other one. Uh, even when she wins the fight, she's not trying to hurt Lucy. No. Like she'll get her in a death grip until like she taps out. Yeah. So 
Kelly's very worried about our dogs. Like she's like, they're gonna kill each other. I go, I don't, I don't think so. I think they're just establishing power, as my theory. Because they don't always fight. Like, but once, because they get everything, one of everything. They get a bone. Okay, both get a bone. You know, right. nobody's favored. You know what I mean? Uh, but that could be why they fight occasionally. Do you think so? Okay, so yeah. give me, give, while I'm lighting your cigar. Okay. So here's, here's, the, the, here's the advice of dog behaviorists generally, at least as I, as I was taught. So female dogs are the pack leaders. Okay. And they're so, both female, by the way. Yeah. And so that combination, if you have a male and a female dog, they often will get along pretty well. And it's often that the female dog will be the dominant dog. Mm. A lot like a lot of marriages, right? <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like, you know, don't right. bother me unless somebody's breaking in the house. Right. right? I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought yeah. the male would always If, if you look at a wolf pack or a coyote pack, it's always the dominant male and female who actually are the only ones who breed. Mm-hmm. And not only are they the only ones that breed, the female is the one who dominates the pack. Gotcha. So when you get a situation where you have two female dogs – one is always going to challenge the other a little bit. And technically, sure. you know, you are you and your wife are the dominant alpha sure. pack members, or right. you should be. Right. So the others are kind of vying for position, right? Mm-hmm. Trying, to, trying to figure out how they're going to knock, knock off your wife and become the dominant, right. you know, uh, the dominant one in the family, in the pack. And so one of the things that you have to do is you have to kind of reinforce the hierarchy, so if one dog always is pretty dominant, I mean, physically dominant and pretty easy to dominate, thank you. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Oh, that's nice. Isn't it? Oh, my. That's so much better. You like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's like going from Mad Dog, Mad Dog 99. That's oh, a gift for you. Oh, my gosh. When you have a stressful you. day. Oh, I will, uh, I will sit out back of the hospital on the swing out back of the hospital. Yeah. And we will... Uh, yeah, I will enjoy this very much. That's a Drew Estate. Yeah, it's it's a very inexpensive, but it's a good smoke. That's nice. That's super. That. That's super smooth. There you go. Wow. Tequila and it got and a little. Cigars. There we go. All right, suave set though, and uh, factory smoke. Here we go. So the big thing is to make sure that you guys reinforce the hierarchy. Okay. And one of the common mistakes that we see is that people always try to, we naturally try to try to help the underdog. Mm. And in dog culture, that's a mistake. Right. Because what you want to do is you want to have the dominant dog stay dominant. You and I would not walk up to Mike Tyson and punch him in the face like that stupid idiot <laughs> on the airplane the other day. <laughs> yeah. That was just yeah. like, hey, Mike Tyson. Give him Mike Tyson. It yeah. was like, Mike, just hit him. Just knock his exactly. ass out. The rest of the people on the airplane will give you, will buy you drinks. I was so time. worried that he was going to get like back into trouble with that. But the, even the law enforcement, like, nah, fuck it. Mike's I, cool. I, I would have been like cheering him on, beating right. the crap out of the guy. You know, you sitting there hassling Mike Tyson. I mean, how stupid are you? So, if you actually you have the one dog that's dominant, right. if you support her, you always give her a treat first. You always put the leash on for the walk first. You always put her food bowl down first, right? right? Right. And if they ever get in a fight, what you need to do is technically, really, you should put the other dog outside. Put yep. the other dog outside. Right. And praise her just inside, like, the slider door and let the other dog see that you're praising her. Make it very apparent whose side you're on. Oh. You'll stop the fighting. Really? Uh-huh, because you guys are the alpha. 
Mm. And then they just fall in line. Dogs are beating that way. They basically realize, oh, I don't have somebody. So you and I, the, the analogy is, if you and I are walking down the streets of Vegas and we run into Mike Tyson by ourselves, we're unlikely to hit him in the face. Yeah. If yeah. we're with a gang of 10 people who are on our side, maybe okay. we can take him. Right. Right. And that's Not that I'm suggesting that at all, by <laughs> no. the way, because okay. I think he'd still right. kick everybody's butt. Yeah. As Mike but, Tyson would say, everybody yeah. got a plan until they get <laughs> fucking punched in the face. Yeah. 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 So you end up, you know, we end up, if you reinforce that hierarchy, right, the natural hierarchy of things, then things tend to settle out very quickly. I see. And we used to have a lot of people. We It's amazing the number of fights that we see amongst dogs. Yeah. Um, where you will see dogs who look like they are just tearing that crap out of each other and how they don't really get that injured. Mm -hmm. Now, that being yeah, said, right. Right. a gang of boonie dogs on somebody's little shih tzu right. is always a bad thing. Yeah, we've sure, seen dogs. because that's, that, they don't know each other. They well, haven't socialized. Territorial. We've had a couple right. of incidents lately where um, dogs have gotten off their chains. Mm. People have had the, on their, on their dogs on the, on the tie-outs. And they have actually gone in and attacked the neighbor's dog. Actually, gone onto the neighbor's property with a ch with a broken chain chain hanging from them and killed right. the neighbor's dogs. Oh, and that's fuck. just a tragedy. Oh. Yeah, I, I've always felt like dogs are going to do dog things, you know. Well, and, uh, and people who, if you have an intact male dog, right. and you have a female dog that goes into heat in the neighborhood, they're all going to come a running. Right. And right. then they're going to be. Hey, it's you or me right. are going to get the female, and I'm going to make sure I'm the one who gets it, or I'm going to die trying. What was that parasite thing you were telling me after rotary? It's, like oh. it's on the grass or something like that. Well, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of infectious diseases here on Guam, and they're all preventable. Mm -hmm. And that's the saddest story that we see here. As a practitioner here on Guam, right. I, I think that the veterinary industry in general has done a very poor job of educating the public. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to change that one patient at a time yeah, and getting people off on the right foot. And there are basically, if you can avoid the four main diseases of, of disease here on Guam, you've right. got tick diseases, of which there's two, anaplasmosis and ehrlichia. Very common. We probably see two or three cases a day or more. Mm. And some of them are mild and some of them are life-threatening. All right. So the anaplasmosis or an ehrlichia parasite are tick diseases. They get yeah. transferred to your dog by getting a bite, and they're transferred in the bloodstream, and they'll kind of start to multiply in the bloodstream, and eventually they will cause a reaction where the immune system says, hey, i got to kill all these things off, and mm. they'll reach kind of a tipping point where the body can no longer make enough red cells or platelets to be able to make up for all those that are being destroyed by the white system, or the white blood cells. Mm -hmm. And so you'll have a patient that'll crash over the course of about three or four days. Wow. I've seen it happen. And it's just seen like a normal blood test. Five days later, you know, dog's platelets have gone from 100,000 down to like none. Mm. It's pretty amazing when it happens and it becomes life-threatening. We'll often see dogs uh, bleeding. Uh, so that, so tick disease, very common. Heartworm, very, very right. common. Right. I know that one. Yeah, heartworm is is common here. it's very common here. Not as common as tick disease, but very common and preventable. You know, by a pill once a month. So is tick disease preventable by a pill once a month? Right. Um, hookworm is another one we see in a lot of young puppies. We see it occasionally. And the thing about hookworm is it gets into kids. 
So, oh, okay. so it's a zoonotic disease. So you want to make sure that you know, you're, you're protecting your young family. And then, of course, the, the most evil of all the diseases here on Guam is parvo. What is it's that? It's a virus okay. that gets a, usually affects young puppies. Um, dogs who make it through the first year of life um, have probably been naturally exposed. So older dogs don't have to worry about that. You know. If they've lived outside for a year, they've already been naturally exposed. It's kind of like being exposed to COVID. But I gotcha. young dogs, we get dogs here. I mean, we saw, what, four this week already um, that are parvo positive. Mm-hmm. And you can prevent it by keeping your young puppy inside mm-hmm. and then bringing them to the vet, getting a vaccine. We recommend three sets of vaccines, three weeks apart. Some breeds are more susceptible. Your pit bulls. Yeah. Your Rottweilers, your Dobermans, and your German Shepherds seem to not handle the virus as well. And okay. so they need an additional vaccine. Okay. But you try to get at least three, four vaccines in your dog by the time they're four months of age. And then they can run around outside and do whatever they want. And they're basically, you know, they're never going to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see a lot of people that have dogs that are, say, seven, eight months old that have never been vaccinated. Right. And then they go, oh, I'm going to let my dog out and run around the yard for four or five hours. And they get sick. And three or four days later, they're throwing up all over the house, diarrhea everywhere, and they're on death's door. Wow. So it can kill. And and Parvo is probably one of the natural controls of the dog population here on Guam. Uh, Parvo, how do you spell that? P-A-R-V-O. Okay. Um, it's a virus. Yeah. Can't see it. Lasts for a year in the environment. Mm. So it's everywhere. Uh, probably kills, you know, a large percentage. It's, people estimate different percentages, whoever you talk to, and how many drinks they've had at the bar. Uh, but probably, you know. But how does how, how is it? Is it contagious? Or? Very contagious. And, and they get it just they just get it walking from other outside, dogs? sniffing just, some poop where another dog had blowout oh, diarrhea or vomit. I get you. They will sit there and you know dogs will smell each other's. You know, yeah, excrement and everything yeah. else. And, we well, just the poop, you know, the diarrhea in the front yard. Right. If you don't have a fence around your place, but even the virus will blow into your yard. We see a oh, it's inc- air- airborne. It's on the ground, but when you see big storms, we always see an increase in parvo cases. Mm. So we see like maybe it's know, in the water, it gets in the water, or in the rain blows out yeah, of the jungles, yeah. you know, you. onto people's property. So it's a virus, so it can go just about anywhere. So outside, if you keep your dog inside, I think in five years I've seen maybe two cases of parvo where dogs were inside the house and it probably tracked in on the per- people's shoes or something like that into their house. It's really yeah. rare, yeah. but it can kill your dog. Um, you know, if you get to it early enough and the dogs are a little older, you know, maybe they're ten weeks versus six or seven weeks of age, then hopefully you can save them. Uh, but dogs die of it, and it's a tragedy. You get a new puppy for Christmas, right. right? And three weeks later, you're trying to explain to your ten-year-old daughter why her puppy's dead. Yeah, and that can be avoided by keeping them inside. So we always we always preach three rules of puppyhood. Number one, keep them inside. Right? For now, how long? For until they're through, until they're through their third set of vaccines, plus about a week. Just like your COVID vaccine, you're not considered yep. to be. Yeah, yeah. To be vaccinated for at least a week or so afterwards. Right. True is the true. The same is true for the uh, vaccinations for dogs as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And then you feed them. Uh, a lot of people, uh, it's hard to overfeed a puppy. It's very hard to over. They're growing. I mean, we all remember right. when we were teenagers, right? You right. go to McDonald's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and go to you know Pizza Hut for mm-hmm. late night late night pizza, yeah. and somehow you're still six foot tall and 170 pounds. Yeah, you're, you have five meals, and you're like, what's for, what's for dinner? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like no, I'm having different. salad again. Yeah, you know? fuck salad. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I remember uh, I was at the Hyatt pool a couple of weeks ago with the kids, and uh, I got that PHR club thing. Yeah, I don't okay. know if you got that. But yeah. So I got that, and I'm, uh, my kids are in the pool, and I'm watching this family. Like, they got big family like me. They got five kids. Dad and mom get salad with chicken. Kids just get French fries. It's <laughs> just munching down the fries. Yeah, it's like, I'm like looking at Kelly. Go, yeah. Parents ordered French French fries for the kids. Yeah, just mounds of French fries. Yeah. They just, you know, like yeah. eating it like. And it doesn't. And they don't get fat because they're, they're running it all off. Yeah. They run, meanwhile, mom and dad are like eating a salad with chicken. Yeah, skinless, boneless chicken, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. No dressing. Yeah. No dressing. Yeah. Yeah. You feel exactly. like, oh, I would put croutons on my salad. Yeah. I'm feeling, I'm feeling special today. Yeah. I was talking. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was like, God, what's? I, I miss being young. I could just eat whatever the fuck I wanted. Oh, I used. Yeah. I still crazy. do. Like I cheat. Like I, I post every it ten on, years. Every ten years, <laughs> man. It's like it's a new. It's a new phase of your life. Like, yeah, it's something new, right? I put on Facebook today. I go. Apparently, uh, pancakes and sausage is not part of a new, <laughs> newfound new diet. They're like the sausages. You can do keto. You can eat that for keto. What do you think of keto? Is that is that good or bad? I, you're or talking what? to a guy who's overweight and <laughs> stomach bypass surgery. I'm not. Don't ask me about diet questions. It's like keto. I, I'm, I'm. 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 Any diet. Well, that, I'm, a, I'm. I'm actually more from France, England. My dad's done our, our ancestry recently and everything else, and it was kind of funny to find out that. I'm a lot more French than I thought I was. Oh, yeah, so I'm what, a lot yeah. more of this so, yeah, than what, I thought. I'm your, a mutt. I'm your, a boonie. I'm a European boonie. What's, yo, your blood, bloodline is what? British, French? Uh, and Italian. Italian. Okay, and I can I'm see a, the Italian in you. But I love Italian food. Because you got the dark features like yeah. an Italian. Well, fellow. I go to Mexico. I was there for a week and people were asking me for directions. <laughs> you know? you're, like, you're way too in Spanish, to me, yeah. in Spanish. And I'm yeah. looking at them going like, um, I'm from Guam. <laughs> and they're like looking at me like, uh, where's but, Guam? But I can I can kind of say like if you were in Mexico, and they and you spoke if if you were like a Don and you spoke very, very little like you didn't say much you just did like lots of like lip, lip movements right yeah, yeah. pull the Marlon Miranda yeah you you could probably get away with being Mexican like a, yeah like a as I say I was a token I was a token yeah. Hispanic at all the parties for a while yeah we had a good time with those those yeah. were a lot of fun the food was fantastic and the and the and the culture and the dancing and the music and the, everything was wonderful well that when you really cool. when you next go to Mexico I need to go hang out with you because I've never been to Mexico really yeah I was very close to Mexico toyed with going to Mexico but I just never got that far down to Mexico it's a lot of fun yeah, and, and I was in California. I was in California for seven years for you know school, and then farting around a little bit afterwards. Um, went to uh, Cal Poly, there you go. dabbled a little bit at SC for film school. There you go. You know, being creative guy. Yeah. Then my uh, my film school teacher's like, "What are you doing here? You're from Guam, right?" I go, "Yeah." Why are you here? Why are you here? Why? <laughs> You're not Jewish enough to be a film <laughs> film guy. Exactly. I go, what? I, I want to make movies. And he goes, well, get into advertising. Hmm. Then you'll make movies. And that was about the time that Michael Mann, or whatever his name was, Michael Mann, yeah, he was doing like uh, Armageddon and all those kind of action oh, movies. Yeah. But he he started out as a Pepsi director, you know. He's like 
making commercials. So he's like, you should just get into commercials, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So I went and I switched courses, ended up going to Cal Poly, finishing there uh, in advertising. So, um, and you at uh, Cal Poly Pomona or yeah, Pomona. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Bronco. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and they have then, a vet uh, school now. Oh, do they? Yeah. Well, they should because they had all those horses there. Oh yeah. Yeah. They have a vet school, but no hospital. <laughs> so they would come on out. Oh, I could tell you stories. They would come out. Sounds like Guam. Well, they're senior students. They got doctors, have... but not real hospitals. <laughs> well, they would come out. It, it was great because we had. So my wife was on the Olympic team. Yeah. My wife, Tammy, oh, was wow. on the 84 Olympic team for really? equestrian, right? Yeah. She was at the Olympics. She was the first alternate on the team. So she had to show up every day, get in her uniform, have her horse there, all groomed, ready to go. And hopefully somebody wouldn't get hurt too bad and she'd be able to go in and compete. Yeah. Still has all of her Olympic badges and everything else. Nice. So she was going over six-foot fences on horses, which to me is just batshit crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah, just, it's, it's, six foot. I, I can't believe I mean, damn. Tammy was a badass in her young in her younger years. Um, so she would. Uh, well, we need to get Tammy on the podcast. Talk about yeah, you got to talk. Yeah, she's yeah, she's the one who. Uh, I think her father was a uh, was a Mensa, and he was one of the first people to put nitrous on a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. And then take it out to the salt flats and see how fast his baby will go. Oh man! I think he got the bike up to over. The bike was named Thor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, just kind of get you the start. Yeah, yeah, she was. Uh, she used to. Uh, she used to sanction motorcycle races back in the, when the motocross was starting in the Cow Palace and all over the. No you know, kidding. Yeah, no she was. Kidding. So yeah, we we recently bought our first boat. Nice. Right. So I've dreamed of having a boat and going out. I love to fish. I love to scuba dive. I love to be out on the ocean. And so we bought a boat the other day. And of course, I'm in Mexico when it finally gets delivered here. Yeah. Um, the weather. I bought it uh, from a fellow up in uh, Saipan. Super nice guy. Shout out to him because I know he misses the boat. And what's uh, his name? Wade. Wade. Okay. Yeah. And. Uh, I just super super nice guy. And I both said, "Hey, anytime you're in Guam, man, I'll give you the keys. You can take her out." Because nice. I feel I, I feel bad. Yeah, right? it's like missing it's, a girl, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's you know, that's my girl. Yeah. So, Tammy's uh, they had to go through customs and everything in the Ganya, and we we got a slip uh, down south, and he's so Tammy's on the boat, and I'm talking to her. I'm in Mexico. It's like one o'clock in the morning, and she's with a couple of the boat captains that I know down in Agate. And, yeah, they're helping her drive the boat down to Agate. Yeah. And she, uh, we get past the opening of the harbor, get past the, where it's kind of smooths out into Agate Bay. Yeah. And I, you know, I said this one guy, I text him a message as I'm talking to her. I go, hey, drive the boat a little bit. So Tammy, in her badass ways, right. sits there and she goes, she goes, okay, yeah, I'll drive the boat a little bit. Right. And, and of course, Herb, who is the boat captain of and oh, Lowell, I know you know, know Lowell, right? Yeah. The the margarita. And they're like showing her the controls and everything and she's kinda of looking around and says, you know, she kinda of takes over the boat. It's pretty smooth between, you know, like Daddy Beach and down to the harbor. And she's looking around and she's kinda of, she kinda of idles up to about a thousand RPMs. Then she goes up to about two thousand RPMs. Then she turns around, I'm like and and Herb's holding my phone. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes and she goes, All right, boys, hold on. Whoa, throws the hammers down. She was doing 28 knots. Wow. Yeah, that's flying in a boat. And yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, 
Were Holy you crap. I, no, it, no, it's a super smooth, smooth boat. Smooth, smooth. And it was pretty flat that day. Okay. But there's hats flying off, sunglasses going <laughs> everywhere, and she has the biggest shit-eating grin on her face. It was great. I've never seen Herb grab the boat so tight and look at the phone like, we're going to die. <laughs> you know, he's a pretty good golfer, that Herb. Yeah, yeah. he's a good golfer. He's also really – he and Lowell are phenomenal. I've known them for a few years now. and I, I can't speak highly enough about them. He's, he's taught me a lot about boats over the last couple of years, and he's, uh, he's taught me how to park kind of. Yeah. Um, what's funny is that he's always – every time I come into the harbor on the boat, he's always out there willing to help me park the boat so I don't hit his. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. He's like, yeah, it's like, got to get you through driver's head again. Well, how big is your boat? <laughs> it's only an 18-footer. So do you just keep it wet or you dry dock it? No, we, we keep it wet. Yeah. We keep it wet. We're just, we got it. I got to, I'm going to change a few things on it, hopefully this, after uh, probably late June. But What's her name? To, uh, so that's a good name. So uh, Tammy named her. She's called the Hanukai. Hanukai. So okay. turtles always make it home. Right? Nice, nice. Tammy's a big turtle lover. That's yeah. that's her big thing. Um, I've had to take veterinary classes on turtles because of her. I've had to go oh. to conferences to make sure that if we ever come across. If we ever, yeah, Hagen, exactly. If I ever come across a turtle in the ocean that's sick, I have to pull it on board and fix it. And yeah. Otherwise, I'll be divorced. So. <laughs> um, Shit. Wow, she's, a, she's actually paid fishermen in Mexico to not eat the turtle. So, so when I had Tom Poole, Dr. Yeah. Tom Poole. Uh, he's he's my first uh, vet veterinarian. I had uh, Akimoto as my first doctor, so you're my okay. third doctor on on okay. the podcast. And of course, everybody knows Vince. He's firecracker. F this, F that, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. This was at the peak of COVID, uh, and then I get calm collected, Tom Pool, <laughs> with in woods. public. Yeah, in we'll, public. We'll just, just go fishing with him sometimes. Just dry, naughty have a shark, humor. Have, have, have a shark grab the bait, uh, grab his rig as he's pulling up something yeah, big. Yeah. And, and I've got video that's just, Tom's a great guy. I love Tom. <laughs> he's been my mentor here on island. He's been an absolute phenomenal then friend. He, then he becomes a sailor. And then, well, and then fighting the sharks to bring the fish to the surface. I've no. never seen somebody get so mad. <laughs> And it's and it's just it's entertaining. It's right. kind of like watching Hamilton in an F one race this year. <laughs> <laughs> beep beep beep. Yeah, no. So Tom was so so mellow on our on our po- podcast, and uh, he had to he had to hit the head real you know in the mm. middle of it. So yeah, I made the mistake of pausing. Like yeah, I usually just let it record because you know you you're there and you're back. But I'm like, okay, well I just pause it and then. Tom is such a natural conversationalist. Oh yeah, he's, a, he's got so many stories. Yeah, then he sits down, he starts talking, and then I get I get in, you know, I get enamored by his conversation. So I'm like, and like a half hour goes by, and I go, is the same thing? Okay. Yeah, we can so, do some more of this one. This is yeah, we're getting to the we're getting to the good stuff. And so he starts talking, and uh, I completely forget to press record again. <laughs> so I go, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I go, uh, uh, I forgot to press record. He goes, what? What the fuck? Really? <laughs> I go, how long? Do we need to do the whole thing over? I go, no, it won't be, it won't be organic. So we'll just continue where we were. But, but yeah, he's, he's a fun guy. He's, uh, he's recently retired. So, uh, or, and he deserves it. Yeah. He's so, worked. Salute to Tom. Hey, you know what? To Tom Poole. Tom Poole. Thank you for making, making Guam a better place for the animals. Mm. 
Yeah, he's a he's a good guy. I like I like his company. Um, so you think is a as a vet, and you're coming in, you're making moves, you're entrepreneurial, you've got your pet hospital, mm-hmm. Pika's best, right? Yeah. It's got it's got to feel good. We're we're feeling very good about what we're doing. We're trying to make some changes. Yeah, we're trying to bring basically up the game. Mm. Um, I've always said Guam deserves better. Yeah. Right? Yeah, um, it definitely does. Yeah, and uh, it's something where again, I mean, we're not leaving. You know, you got to take us off in chains. Yeah, right. If you ever do, and well, I remember when you first started, you were doing the mobile mm-hmm. practice. Are you still doing that or no more? No. I, no. Mobile was too tough. Mobile is is good for people under thirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were like the good good was it uh, good to go or oh grab we and treated go. oh yeah. we would we would I mean I remember doing a blood transfusion on the back of the of the, my wife's jeep. Wow. When we were doing blood transfusions on animals with tick disease and things oh, like that, transfusing yeah. dogs were bruising because they had no platelets. And I remember being in, in Tumon at this guy's uh, condo. Yeah. I'm in the parking lot of his condo, right, doing yeah. a blood transfusion over about two hours, right, basically with a dog on my lap in the back seat of the Jeep. Wow. And it was like, okay, if we want to really do some serious things here, we need to get ourselves a hospital. And, of course, yeah. it's right then it's middle of COVID, you know, it's yeah. lockdowns, everything else is going on, and right. we just said – we got to go. We just got to do this. Right. Um, and of course, banks weren't lending or anything else. So we took some money out of our retirement account and, and built this smaller hospital. Um, really proud of it. Um, we are seeing 30 patients a day. Nice. Did 14 surgeries today. Saw wow. five emergencies in the yeah. middle of all that. Um, I'm averaging 60 to 70 hours per week. And. Um, for the most part, enjoying it. It's a little frustrating uh, because um, not many of the other clinics are doing emergencies. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, we've got Dr. Harper's working for us a couple of days a week. Uh, okay. She's helping out with surgeries and then working Saturdays. we got Paul Poma's working for us as well on Saturdays. Um, well, you doctors do a good job of, like, working together. We all like each other, and yeah. most doctors actually could get along. The veterinary community here on Guam is very... Well, let's just say divided. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it in my career. I've been working in veterinary clinics since I was 14. Wow. And I'm 58. So this is like your I don't call- know how to do anything else. This is your calling, yeah? Well, it's my calling. I don't know how to do anything else. So how'd, you, pretty- how'd you stumble into this, though? Um, my mom was an administrator at a human hospital, so okay. I got interested in medicine very early. Mm-hmm. Um, loved to watch all the animal shows from the time... <laughs> yeah, from five years old, right? Yeah. Uh, Marlon Perkins, if you can go back to Wild Kingdom, yeah. Mutual of Omaha's Wild Mutual Kingdom, Omaha, yeah, you know? Right. Um, Marlon Perkins. Beef. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, Marlon Perkins was my hero as a kid because, you know, he always had Jim, you know, yeah. who was always yeah, getting beat up yeah, by, yeah. The, by the alligator or the anaconda or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that was always fun. I have actually a guy who works, for, works with us now. Um, his name is Shaka. Shaka. And our joke, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shaka's a great kid, um, and his uh, it's kind of fun working with Shaka because he's he's uh, he's Jim, mm-hmm. right? And I'm Marlon Perkins, so <laughs> I was like, "Hey, Shaka, go get that really big mean dog." And he's like, "Okay." <laughs> he's yeah, really it's, yeah. to have somebody like that in your practice is invaluable. It really is. What I didn't get to ask Tom in my uh, podcast was like, 
why aren't you guys all vet, uh, you know, you're vets, but why aren't all vets vegetarians? Because we love meat. <laughs> I love a good steak. Like, you put a lobster in front of me yeah, or a king or yeah, a king crab yeah, or, like, or oh, I don't God, eat fish. You're like, God bless you. Oh, you but don't I, eat fish. I don't eat fish. But uh, you're fishermen. Yeah, so we give away everything. Thanks. If we catch or we release yeah. or or if we catch, Why don't we you like give. eat fish? You don't like the taste of trauma it? Trauma of trout. Trout trauma as a young child. Oh. We'll just put it, I okay. probably got really sick at one point, and the smell of cooked fish yeah. um, makes me nauseous. The other day at, at Rotary, yeah, uh, lots of white sauce over something on my plate that I thought was chicken. They served me the wrong thing, so I actually, by uh. mistake, ate some parrotfish. And I have to say that it wasn't bad, but the psychological effect of knowing that it was parrotfish. Is that why you exited early? Yeah, it was, it was tough. I was like, God, this doesn't really taste that bad, but just I got a lump in my throat <laughs> right now. You know? It's a, so it's this whole psychological mm-hmm. thing. It's kind of like rum. Yeah, or yeah. your tequila well, when you were younger. Well, you know, I, hey, I got over tequila. Maybe you'll get over fish. I think I eventually will. I think mm-hmm. I will. Mm-hmm. I, I'm getting there. I like shellfish. That's yeah. not a problem. I'll eat raw oysters. Or better, barbecued oysters are fantastic. Do you do any sashimi or anything like that? You can't do it? No. I Something about being a a, a, a biologist, yeah. working on fish in, at Berkeley, <laughs> and knowing what, seeing stuff yeah. underneath the microscope goes... You know, I know the chefs say that they can see parasites, but I'm not sure that that's yeah, necessarily that's, true. That, that's what the wasabi's for. Something. Yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. What or the, the Jap- tequila. Or that's the tequila. The Japanese, the, yeah. That's wasabi. That's, that's to kill the parasites. We, uh, you know, a little parasite goes a long way. Hey, you know, <laughs> what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's the, what's the plan for the practice? Are you going to expand? or? We're looking at, we were looking at expanding. And we actually even got down to some negotiations on the building. We had plans. We did all sorts of stuff. We were ready to go. Yeah. And then over the last, what, six months? Yeah. Gas prices. Oh, yeah. Consumer price index, everything else. Unfortunately, I've been through that in 2000. Yeah. I've been through that in, well, 2001, right, 9-11. I've been there in 2008 where you thought, you were doing really good, and then suddenly, you know, and you were expanding then through no fault of your own. Right. Just shit gets but, expensive. Yeah, and we're seeing it already. We're seeing right. price increases. It's subtle, but it's there. And if, you, and if you're looking at your wholesale prices, every invoice we get has a slight increase in the price. It's, right. It's, it's, it's maybe 50 cents, you know, on a $10 product. But it's right. there, and if you look for it, it's right. there, and it's and it's something that's. I mean, it's hard enough to get stuff here in Guam. I mean, sure. operating a business here in Guam. You got to bring everything here, so it, it's a tremendous challenge. I right. mean, we we believe in always the air and a spare. Right. We try to never run out of right. anything. Right. Um, always have extra in stock. There's always five to ten percent of your inventory that's going to go stale dated, and you got to throw it out, or you donate it to gain that's, or whatever. That's the thing, right? With medicine, you got an expiration date. Yep. Yep. Luckily, we go through things, and most stuff is long enough dated; it's not a problem. Mm. But we track inventory really carefully, but yeah. always try to keep at least thirty to sixty days of inventory in. What's What's your opinion on pet owners on Guam? Are they uh, Are they on the Better side, worse side, they need to learn more. What, what's going on with that? I, again, I go back to what we said earlier that yeah. I think that the veterinary industry or community here in Guam has not done a great job of educating people. Sure. So 
I think you, you know, you go into a doctor's office, maybe you see the doctor, maybe you don't, especially over COVID. Mm-hmm. They say, here's your pills, give your dog this twice a day and it'll get better. Right. But compliance is a big issue. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know why you're giving the pills, right? maybe you're not going to be as good um, right. at doing it. Right. Um, you know, as doctors, we're not infallible. Um, you do your best to make a diagnosis, but, you know, unfortunately, more times than you like to admit, you're probably going to be wrong or you got to rethink things. It's called a practice. It's a practice of medicine. It's the art of medicine. It's not right. the, you know, medicine is not a cookbook. Yeah, no. it's not definitive. The biggest thing you can do to, to a doctor to insult them is to say, well, I went on the Internet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I actually Web have and, a coffee. I actually have a coffee mug at the practice. So, yeah. I I have a I have a coffee mug that actually says something to the effect of, "Don't think that your Google search is a substitute for my medical degree." Well, yeah, I th- I think that the internet has hurt a lot of professions, as like in my in my business, which is in the arts, advertising, yeah. so forth. Somebody asked me recently, because. What's changed in the last 10, 15 years in advertising? I thought, well, what's changed is that everybody's an advertising marketing expert. Exactly. Right? Because um, because it's gotten easier to do the the art part of it. Right. You know, you can take a picture better. You can, you can do Photoshop and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I said, nothing replaces experience, skill, huh. and... Uh, and you can't do that. Like I said, everybody's a photographer now. Yeah. Because you can just shoot away, you know. But back, can you make the composition? Yeah. Well, now it's a, it, it's truly a composition. But back in the day, like, it was a craft. Like, you had to be able to shoot. Because you, you, you didn't get to see a, uh, a preview of what you just shot. Right on film, you had to wait and like, erase it. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I got seven hundred yeah. pictures on my disc. Yeah, you know? it's like so. The practice back then was shoot more than you need to because out of three hundred shots, you had like oh, two. I, I used to take underwater photography. Yeah, on on slide film because oh, the color was better. Oh my god! Yeah, and uh, yeah, I remember coming back from Aruba, and, you're and like, I have great photos, yeah. and you're like. Developing like yeah, seven hundred photos, seven hundred slides, and there's like six that are like really high quality. Like, this is the greatest. You're like no, those are the only ones that were focused. <laughs> yeah, the only ones that worked. <laughs> the only ones that the fish was in the center of the photo. Yeah, exactly. I got a lot of tail shots. Oh man, yeah. I got to gift you a photo before we left. Uh, we leave. I, I do prints, and uh, I'll, I'll gift you. You can choose which one you want. Okay. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I make a living. Um, like you, I'm a craftsman, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're a doctor, I'm a craftsman, but ultimately we're both in the same type of jobs where we, uh, we have chosen a profession, a, uh, an expertise yeah. and, uh, and, uh, it's, it's a little bit annoying that, that the technical side becomes more just like how you're annoyed with. WebMD and all that stuff, right? Like I'm not, you know, like, it's not so much that I don't mind, but I don't. People in veterinary medicine, you'd be surprised how many people come in and say, "I want antibiotics." I've already diagnosed my dog. I know what's <laughs> wrong, and I'm like, "Oh, really?" Well, you just threw away my eight years of college and my, you know, forty yeah. years of experience, yeah. and you're basically. I mean, and I don't think people do it on purpose. They don't, but they, but, but they're so convinced. 
Yeah. That that's right. And you're like, no, no. Well, let, no. Let, let's let's talk about this for a few minutes. You know, let's let's yeah. let's 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 examine the patient, mm. right? And let's actually right. take a look at what's there. And let's think about the other possibilities. Right. Because, you know, 90% of the patients have 90, you know, have, you know, 90% of the diseases, right? But it's that other 10%. It's that purple zebra that shows up in your practice every once in a while that you're just like, wow. And here on Guam, we're limited as to our technology. We're limited to access. I can't just, you know, send them off to the referral center. Sure. Right. You can't get the dog off island. You know, do you have to do all your testing off island, or do you? Do we the- do a lot. We have a we have a very extensive lab here, with, of which I've we've probably put a hundred thousand dollars into the lab wow. of having so. And some of that, the technology that's coming along is actually really right. cool. We can actually even do like needle biopsies, like you take an aspirate mm-hmm. of a mass, right. put it on a slide, stain it, send it off to San Diego by a computer that actually scans the slide. Mm-hmm. And you'll get an answer back in about four to six hours, either depending on what time it is, either from San Diego sure. or from Australia, right? Because they're on the same. Technology, with a pilot, yeah. with a with a with a report, and that's something that's pretty cool. That's something that's yeah. been new in the last year, right? And so we invested in all that technology. We have, we always operate again that air and a spare. So mm-hmm. we not we don't have one blood machine. We have two because right. in case one goes down, you don't want to not be able to have it, right? And that's that increases your cost of operations, but as I said, Guam deserves better. You have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to do what you need to do to get the answers for the patients. Right. And the nice thing is, I've still maintained my contacts back in the states. Sure. You know, bottles sure. of tequila, good bottles <laughs> of wine. You know, yeah. uh, veterinarians are always veterinary hospitals are run on their stomachs, as they say. And yeah. so that I, I have some friends back that are. I've, I'm very lucky. I've got a mentor that is. I've been my entire career, right. and uh, he's actually trained um, in England. Um, he's the only veterinarian in modern history that's been awarded an excellence in medicine by the AMA, the American Medical Association for Research and Contributions mm-hmm. to Medicine, as a veterinarian to the human side. Wow. Yeah, he's. Uh, I say it's not fair. His name is Ravi. And Ravi has a photographic memory. Shout out to Ravi. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. He's uh, he's saved a lot of patients here in Guam. Wow. By just being there at, you know, 11 o'clock at night, 1 o'clock in the morning his time in Idaho or Colorado or right. Oregon where he lives, and being able to basically say, hey, why don't you think about this or that? Um, we always, I, I think you would agree with this, as you get older, you mm. get wiser. Sure. So what is really wisdom? Wisdom is an accumulation of life's mistakes and experiences. Exactly. You can be young and smart, yeah. but you have to be old and wise and and made some mistakes and learned from those mistakes to really become wise. And that's the difference. Um, I know a lot of young, smart people, right. but they don't make necessarily the right decisions or they panic because they haven't seen it before. They haven't. Well, they, they haven't definitely done it. panic when they don't when it's not on their radar. Yeah. Whereas, like as I got older, I was like things aren't going right with with whatever I'm doing and um, I go well hold on let me let me figure this out have, have I gone through this before something similar you know, yeah. you have that wealth of experience to, to draw on yeah whereas you know the young and smart not to not to shit on them but they think they got everything figured out and then you're like 
Life isn't always as yeah. it is in the book. No, it's not. Yeah. Sometimes it is, and that makes life really convenient. Well, that's why AI is still very suspicious to me because it's like, okay, well, it's just known facts. Right. Let's see what you do with unknown facts. Yeah. Shit that has, there's no precedence on it. Or you, you still need experience to come up with a conclusion. Or if you have a dog with multiple, or a cat with multiple diseases, mm. which one do you treat? Right. The the classic in veterinary medicine is the dog that has, or the cat, mm. that has cardiac issues right. and renal issues. Mm. You treat them, everything you do to improve the kidney issues makes the heart disease worse and vice versa. And mm. so how do you manage that 13-year-old cat or dog that's got, you know, it's in mild to moderate kidney failure and also has a heart murmur? Mm. Right, and you want to give it more fluids to flush out the kidneys, but you can't do that because of the fact that it'll make the heart disease worse. <laughs> then you got to give it more Lasix or more heart drugs, and right. you just and you just it's spinning. You know that old classic, you know, vaudeville routine where you're spinning those plates, right? Right, right. and you're right. kind of doing this, and you kind of do that, and you find a balance. And every patient is different. So as I say, you asked me about this about about owners, right? Right, right, right. And I would give a big shout out because I think people here in Guam, I've seen in just the five years I've been here, a tremendous change in the attitudes towards their pets. I mean, the good news about a dog or a cat, now you say cats are, are pretty independent. Cats, I think, are, I used to think that too. I think cats are more sociable than we give them credit for. Oh, my, I have a cat and two dogs. And yeah. I want to say that. Who's the boss of the house? My my cat is uh, his name is Sumo because he's overweight, <laughs> um, but he's uh, very selective. But he's very affectionate, yeah. and uh, and like you know he's an inside cat. My dogs yeah. are both outside in the yard because they like running around and chasing things. But whenever we're ready to go to bed, give him about thirty minutes. He decides to join us in bed. You know. Yeah. I mean, the, he that's that's his routine, you know. And uh, I've always said, like, he's got this funny fucking mm. thing he does. So he doesn't like to eat his food all the way to the bottom. So we always have to top it off. So yeah. I've always said, like, you know, his cat food is going to be fossil fuel at some point. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom. Like, like, stuck like, to the bottom. Yeah, I'm like, that cat food <laughs> on the way bottom of his plate is probably from 1970 <laughs> if, if we had him from 1970. Like, it's, it's, there's like a layer, like there's a layer to his food. And, uh, you know, there's, it's a mix of friskas and everything else. It's like, this cat is something else, man. But he's, a, he's very, he's very sweet to me. Yeah. But he's very selective. Like he's sweet to me, but he's not always sweet to my kids. He's not yeah. always sweet to my uh, uh, to Kelly. But like he's like I'll I'll put him I put him like a fucking uh, what is it like a fur stole coat. yeah a stole or whatever yeah right, right over my yeah. shoulder yeah. doesn't bother me a bit. Anybody yeah. else try to do that? No way. Yeah. No way. And I said, and I always tell my kids, I go, you know why you guys can't do that? Because as a kitten, I clean his fucking butthole. <laughs> He goes that that boy that, trusts me. That was me. bonding. That, yeah, that was, was bonding. bonding. He, he he. Whenever he had a little poop on his butthole, I clean it up with his with my finger. He's like, "Ooh, Dad! Oh, gross!" So like, well, well, if you don't clean that up, it's yeah, gonna go on the couch. I had to do that to you when you were yeah, young. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I had to clean your shit up too. <laughs> look, look, how much, look how much you like me. Yeah. 
So, yeah, and when I'm older, guess what, ch- child? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, guess what? It so comes that, all the way around. Yeah, that's that's right, Doctor Bob. That's why I have five kids. That's a good idea. Yeah. So my, my son says you're going in a home, Dad. <laughs> yeah, I've got five kids. Like four out of the five will say go to home. The fifth one's like, you know, you clean my butthole. Yeah, exactly. At least I got one. Yeah, I'll change your diaper. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so as as a vet, what do you what do you favor, dogs or cats, or you're indifferent? It's it's a. Uh, it's very interesting because, because I, was on I have your dogs. Website. I was on your website, and mm-hmm. you give them equal coverage. Yeah. I don't know if that's just marketing, but. No, it's not. Actually, I, I'm a big fan of all animals, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you, I love fish, believe it or not. Tropical yeah. fish have always fascinated me. The colors, I worked in a lab at Berkeley when I was 17 years old. Yeah. Uh, George, Dr. George Barlow was one of the guys who discovered why fish are so colorful or, mm-hmm. or came up with the original theory that still stands today as to why reef fish are so colorful. Uh, he also, at UC Berkeley, managed to somehow get somebody to donate a tropical island, and I'm still trying to figure out where <laughs> that is, where he does all, where he did all his research to he eventually retired and died. Coco's Island. I, yeah. I, I think it was somewhere near Tahiti, from what I understand. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think they have... You know, there's a classic thing that we always say that, you know, dogs have masters, cats have servants. Yeah. So yeah, there's a yeah, totally yeah. different attitude. And I think that if you look at the personality of the people who have cats versus dogs, there's definitely a difference. Right. Um, as far as an owner goes. Um, caretaker. In California, they had all sorts of names. They weren't called owners anymore. They had all sorts of different names. And <laughs> of I'm like, course, California. Hey, man, if I'm cleaning up the cat's litter box, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that the cat owns me. Uh, but you have this situation where you have where dogs are much more attentive. I mean, mm. yeah, you come absolutely, home, you come absolutely. home, your dog worships the ground you walk. You're gonna have yeah. the worst day in the world. You know, they're you so can, happy. You They're can run out of gas. You can have a worst day at work. Your boss is yelling at you. You know, uh, you know, you've lost your wallet. You can't find your car keys, <laughs> right. and your dog is like, "Hey, how you doing? It's all yeah. great to come home." Yeah, yeah, I love you. Yeah, I love you. You're the greatest person <laughs> in the world, right? <laughs> yeah. And depending on the dog, it's actually very interesting. Um, even if you look at the different dog, like herding groups versus mm. working versus toy breeds versus whatever, they all have different personalities, and you have to kind of find that dog mm. that actually matches your personality. Right. Um, I would tell you most people who own the herding group right. never go back to anything else. Really? The border collies, the the intelligence of a border collie or a uh, 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 Australian Shepherd or those kinds of dogs. Um, I had Bernese Mountain Dogs. I had Bernese Mountain Dogs. Yeah. And my dogs literally, I would come home two hours ride home on the freeway in Los Angeles from our practice in Irvine all the way out to Temecula. I Ooh. mean, that's just that's a 91 bur- freeway. It's a brutal commute. A brutal and you just be drive. like, you come home. And I come home, and my dogs would know the sound of my truck from two or three miles away because I had to come over a hill down to the ranch, and they'd all be there waiting for me. And it was like having, you know, like a hero's welcome every time yeah, you came it's home. Like a parade. It's great. Hey, LA Lakers won. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other, but having, you know, 720 pound dogs climbing into bed with you was probably not <laughs> a real great situation. Right. Um, yeah, the cat would come on up. We had hand raised a cat, uh, actually, a litter of kittens that actually rode in the truck with us when we were doing a house call practice back in California. 
And he's with us here in Guam, and he's an absolutely fantastic cat. And he sleeps. He spoons with me every night. Really? And he is, and he eats potato chips and <laughs> beef jerky and eggs in the morning. And, I mean, he's he doesn't know he's a cat. He thinks oh. he's human. Yeah. He's like, hey, what's for breakfast? Yeah. yeah. And and he's, cats are easy. You yeah, know, yeah, cats yeah, are, yeah. you put a litter box, you can put a bowl of food out for the weekend, put a bowl of, big bowl of water out, disappear for the weekend, go skiing on the weekend. You can go up to Saipan, go party at the casinos or whatever, whatever you want to do for a weekend, and you know your cat's going to be okay. Right. Your dog's going to have a heart attack. Right. Gone. Like, where the fuck is yeah. he? So, He's again, us. again yeah. dogs have masters, cats have servants. So, yeah. um, I'm a, I've actually had actually the most interesting pet I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sad. We had a raccoon. Wow. Raccoon. And uh, the story behind her is she was about, she didn't even have her eyes open. She, she must have been about seven to eight days old, the best we could do. Um, she was found that all the other kits in the litter were killed. The mom was killed. Mm. Um, it was up in Covina. Friend of ours, uh, the woman who found them, brought them into their work. Right. The woman who owned the company um, actually, like, literally picked up and said, the only person that's going to be able to save this thing is going to be Dr. Bob. Drove it all the way down to our house. We're, like, about 40 miles away. Right. Shows up at our house unannounced with a raccoon <laughs> that's literally, I mean, fits into your hand. Right. And it's dehydrated and everything else. And I'm like, what do you want me to do with this? You yeah. know? I mean, it's yeah. like everything. It's else. a prune. As a, as a, I, I, some divine intervention, we got an IV catheter and we treated it, got it rehydrated, rehab, bottle fed, it opened its eyes a couple of days later, and then slept in bed with us for 12 years. Wow. Wow. And uh, she had a broken back, so she couldn't climb. Um, like get into things. Raccoons, as you know, are notorious for tearing up yeah, they everything. Just get into everything. The good news is that her name was Safira. She couldn't get anything that was above about 18 inches off the ground. Okay. But she could grab the bedspread and climb up into bed with us every night. <laughs> and the surprise you'd have is 2 o'clock in the morning, she'd be cleaning your teeth <laughs> with her little paws. And you'd be like looking at you like wake up in the middle of the night and you'd be staring face to face with a raccoon. Yeah. And earlier in my life, I used to have to fight off raccoons because I lived at Lake Tahoe during the summertime. And we'd have raccoons climb in bed. We'd always sleep outside in sleeping bags as kids. These are wild raccoons. Rac- and wild yeah. raccoons would climb on top of our sleeping bags in the middle of the night looking for food because we always had sure. popcorn or chips sure, sure, or whatever. Sure. But this was a domesticated raccoon. She was. Her and my son would fight all the time. It was actually pretty funny. They were like siblings. What was, uh, what was your name? Safira. Safira. So she was great. She lived to be 13. Yeah. Um, is, that, is that about how they age? Or I think that uh, in the wild, I understand, 10, 9, 10 years oh. old. She lived longer than that. Lived longer. So all good. Um, she was my most interesting pet. She used to, I'd come home, crash out after a long commute, and she'd sleep on top of my head. And, like, you know, we had this high back leather chairs. Right. She'd climb up. You know, the, you know, the foot thing to come up. She'd grab the foot thing. I'd lean back in the chair. That'd lift her up onto my lap. She'd climb up, up over my shoulder. And just like your cat that you put around your neck, she would sleep up around my neck or up on top of my head, fall asleep, and crash out. Nice. And then wake me up at 1 o'clock in the morning because then it was her AM. They're right. nocturnal. Right. And then I'd finally figure out I need to get off the, the, couch, you know, the, get the, off the, the get off the chair, chair in the living room and go to bed. And she'd follow me to bed, climb up in bed with us. And then she'd clean your teeth. In the middle of the night, which is just, you know, quite a shock to wake up to this thing, these big old fangs looking at you in the, ma- in the face. That's funny. And going, I know she's not rabid, but 
you know. <laughs> yeah, like what's going on, right? We've That's had cool. some That's pretty cool. amazing opportunities in our career to to work with some pretty wild, some pretty crazy animals, um, tigers, lions, bobcats. Mm-hmm. We actually even had a serval ourselves at one time, which is wow. kind of like a mini cheetah. Yeah. Um, they all have different personalities. Tigers are super sweet. Are they? Um, lions are pretty nice, although lionesses are, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they get they're, hungry. They're, they're, they're uh, pretty protective of their young. I found out the hard way at the uh, San Diego Wild Animal Park when yeah. she slammed up against the window when I was just made eye contact. Oh, really? That's all I did. And she hit the window. Luckily, it was reinforced glass. Cause <laughs> I remember jumping back about 10 feet, and the guy who's the head keeper there, a friend of ours named Tony, he was laughing his ass off for hours afterwards. He's like, oh, she got you, man. She got you good. She scared the shit out <laughs> exactly. of you. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, check your diapers on the way out. <laughs> uh, but they're smart. I mean, they're really very, very smart animals. And I think a lot of people don't give them I, – I, you know, working with, like, dolphins and whales – yeah, dolphins are incredibly smart. Yeah, they have a sense of humor. Do they, they? have? A, oh yeah, they play jokes on the on the trainers and stuff all no the time. Kidding. Really? And God yeah. forbid there's a female dolphin that's in season because you can't get a dolphin's attention for for hours. They're just like, why are we paying attention to you? She's in season. We got no. It's just kind of like the teenage. Yeah, Tom know. was telling me. Uh, Doctor Poole was telling me that. Uh, he was helping out with the Navy, yep. training the dolphins, and they were just super smart. And they oh, were they the, were basically they had figured out everything. They and they uh, the dolphins at San Diego. There's a veterinarian there, and I won't remember. I I know his name, but I won't. Yeah. On the say S R, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, Initials. Yeah. He used to. Uh, he's long retired, but. He used to laugh and tell the stories about the dolphins in San Diego because that right. whole day of the dolphin thing has some reality to it. Is it? Yeah. yeah. And they would um, – can you ask him to cut that one? Yeah, sure. We'll cut that up. We'll see a lot of that. That's, we're getting to the really good stuff now, this folks. Is, this, this, is, is the, this is the – This is the final. The yeah. final episode, as we say. We uh, – Hold on. Keep talking. He would tell stories about the dolphins that they had down in San Diego and how – they would play tricks on things. And uh, one of the great stories he would tell was about the, they actually had beluga whales, the big white whales. Yeah. And that they were using them for sound detection because they were worried about how uh, underwater explosives would affect their sonar and their behavior. And so they were doing sound tests of what frequencies they could really hear and what they could really do. And, uh, you know, Southern California has lobster. Right. And beluga whales are from the northern hemisphere where there's a lot of lobster. So guess what they would do? <laughs> Every once in a while, the, 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 the beluga whales would just take off for about six to eight hours. And, and the vets would sit there and go, my God, we just lost a million-dollar animal that we <laughs> trained, and he's not coming back. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, we didn't, and they wouldn't know. They'd sit there for hours. Yeah. And then the, the, the beluga would show up again. Okay, I'm ready to work again. Yeah, we're good. We just had a little lobster. Yeah, we just we you know we decided that we were going on a date with my girlfriend with the other one, right? <laughs> uh, the other thing, uh, I was actually at Mystic Marine Life Aquarium in Mystic, Connecticut, and they were actually the the beluga whales were actually playing tricks on the dolphins, yeah. and on the other, on the trainers and on the guests. 
we had a big conference there, right. uh, International Association for uh, Aquatic uh, Animal Medicine. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, um, oh, you need more? Yeah, let's just cut that a little bit. Yeah. You have a, is use a key? Yeah, okay. just use a key. So the big, at the you know, the final night, we're all sitting there, and we're, of course, we're in New England, so we're eating lobster. Right. And we're sitting, and we're in the aquarium, and they've got all the banquet tables and everything else. Well, the well, of course, the beluga whales, mm -hmm. right, see the lobster on the people's plates. They know exactly what it is. Right. So they're pressing against the glass on the aquarium plexiglass. You can actually see the glass bowing. Really? A little. Yeah. That's like, crazy. Yeah, like we're going to get flooded out here. So turns out. Um, yeah, let me do that. Would you? I swear we need something sharp to get that seal off of there here. Anyway, uh, so turns out we had a lot of extra lobster, so we went back up and uh, with a with a bushel or two of lobsters. I don't think I'd do this again. I think I'd probably try to eat as much lobster as I could. <laughs> but we went ahead. Here, pour yourself. So, anyway, um, we would we went up there. And they went absolutely batshit crazy. The they were doing all sorts of tricks. They were doing all sorts of behaviors. They were doing all sorts of stuff that was just amazing. The animals are so smart. Um, they would come up and play jokes on people. Like you yeah. know, if you turn your back, almond. Yeah, I'm good. Are you Actually, good? yeah, I'm gonna. The cigar was phenomenal, by the way. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna take that home and smoke the rest of it tonight on my balcony. Cheers. Anyway, cheers to... What are we drinking here? We are drinking Adectivo. Adectivo. This is the newest... This is my newest find in Mexico. And... Um, mm, smells good. This is a seven-year Anejo um, that's done... The second part of its aging is in bourbon barrels. Mm, yeah. Okay. Got like an espresso taste to it. It's got coffee flavors to it. Oh. There's like three flavors that come to it. You get the sweet, yeah. It's sweeter now. This is a sweet tequila, and most people would be like, "Sweet tequila, really?" Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this is what they're playing around with now. Yeah. Okay, I get there's it. There's no burn. No, no yeah, burn. There's no burn at all. It's a little bit of sweet. So you can see how this would be really good with a dessert. How this would actually go really good with chocolate. Yeah, that's why I had some yeah, chocolate here. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. That's why. So this is uh, yeah, this is uh, we'll have to drink some more. Of this is the. We're gonna, we're gonna. That's that's when we. I'm trying to convince. We had a a young man come in the other day that worked for one of the import companies, mm -hmm. alcohol import companies. I said you need to bring this to Guam. Right. Yeah, because this this. They not... only had three bottles at the store, and I bought all three. I bought the two. Went and then went. Oh, I gotta drink one of these before I go. Why am I drinking bourbon? <laughs> when I'm in it? Well, yeah, this is. Um... It's it's like s sweet liqueur, right? Mm -hmm. Right. It's a dessert liqueur, mm -hmm. but you notice how it doesn't it has a, more of a bourbony type taste. It to doesn't it. even have a tequila taste to it. I mean, there's I a little bit of agave at the end. Yeah, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, like uh, it's it's not your traditional. A, not at all. You no, know, you. I can see why you were drinking this all. You could drink this for breakfast. Yeah, and I tried. It goes good. It goes good with. It goes Anything good salty? with. Anything salty. Anything salty, right? Like. Actually, yeah, we actually had it with uh, pancakes. <laughs> Did you? It's almost it's almost that syrupy. Mm. It, this is the suaveceto is a little more traditional as mm. far as things go. 
But this is one where when you just want to sit down and watch a sunset mm-hmm. and have, you know, maybe something just kind of nice and just kind of kicking back. But this is a tequila that anybody would drink. This is somebody yeah. who doesn't like tequila will drink this. You're right. Yeah. This is uh, pretty much a very... It's it's refined. almost too sweet. It's like a liqueur, yeah. yeah. It's like a liqueur. Like, um, so if you if you guys are if you guys aren't into the burn te- tequila, this is the one to go for. Yeah, Addictivo. Kind of got an interesting bottle. It's um, not a major brand, right? No, it's not. This is a boutique no. brand out of. But again, they sold out of the. The La Playa mm. <laughs> sold out because <laughs> I went there. <laughs> yeah. So but I'm sure they'll get more in, but so this right is, now they're currently sold out because I was there. So this is bef- way before I met you. So in Philippines, there's a place called, uh, uh, what was it? Oh, fuck, I forget. I, I don't remember the bar, but it was in the Ori- Oriental Mandarin Hotel. And uh, it was a, a woman from um, Scotland, and her husband was Filipino, so... I don't know how they met, but they met and married. So they had, um, uh, and the name will come to me, but her name was Barbara. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is like 15 years ago. This is why I can't remember. Um, Kipling's. Kipling's. Mm-hmm. That's what it was called. Kipling's. And um, it, was, it was basically, uh, uh, you know, a scotch bar. Okay. But nothing major brands there. It was just yeah. all from the motherland. And yep. so I'm like, I don't even know how to order. So she goes, well, what do you like to drink? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I can I can give you a drink from the motherland that whoever copied. I said, okay, well, let's just start with the easy stuff. Give me a Johnny Walker. So she goes, oh, and she went through her, like, her yeah. fucking shelf of stuff and she poured me this drink and it was like exactly similar to a johnny walker black i said do you do whiskeys and bourbons because yeah they all sort of originated yeah from the homeland i said okay well give me a jack daniels then spicy you know a little uh a little sweet spicy charcoaly okay well unlabeled crazy local brands and i was like damn barbara how long you been here she goes she goes well i'm 82 <laughs> I'm like, oh damn barbara so i remember like anytime i would go back to the philippines i would go to kipling's which was in the lobby bar lobby it wasn't a lobby bar it was it was on the lobby but it was a separate bar they had rented it from the mandarin okay and uh, of course, they demolished that uh, uh, about tw- fifteen years ago to build condos. Mandarin had closed down, but I remember the Kiplings. I was like, man, like that's alcohol. Like, but that's wisdom. That's wisdom, wisdom. knowledge, craftsmanship. Exper- you know, experience. Exactly, man. I was like, damn, Barbara. And I would try to trick her too. I'm like, um. How about a Kahlua? She's like, oh, that's not a, that's not a scotch. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's milky. That's oh, god, no. I'm just fucking with you, Barbara. Because <laughs> really. I'm I'm 80. You don't fuck with me. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. I know too much. 
Cheers, man. Hey, how do you... So what's your favorite out of these five? Um, I think as a daily, I would go with the Don Julio mm -hmm. 42. Mm -hmm. uh, special occasions, babies, grandparents, uh, birthdays, uh, seeing an old friend. Uh, I definitely go with uh, the latter two, which is uh, what? Suaveceto and the Adactivo. Adactivo, yeah. The Adactivo you really want to do with dessert. Yeah, that's it's like a, that's like a special thing, you know. It's like I don't always eat ice cream, but when I do, can you imagine this over vanilla? Oh man, yeah. <laughs> and then if I'm having a rough day, I'm I'm going with the Gonzalez. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, Gonzalez yeah. will will put you away. Yeah, Gonzalez is like, yeah, I'm having a rough day, and uh, I'm gonna drink Gonzalez because it makes you feel tougher. And then Don, I think Don Roberto is like a probably a daily too. You know, it's like I I can have that every day it's gonna make you not drink more it's gonna yeah, make yeah. you take a shot at sunset kind of yeah. get that warm feeling and go like okay we're good yeah, i'm good yeah i don't need to drink anymore the, but uh, don holly don holio is like uh, 1942 is always solid you're There's gonna never drink, ever a problem yeah. with it it's always it, yeah. it's if you're gonna buy somebody a gift mm -hmm. right you're never gonna go they'll wrong pre they'll appreciate that yeah um it's about 130 bucks a bottle at costco Mm -hmm. I gave away a couple of bottles. I bought it at Costco. Gave yeah. away to my cousins because we had this huge Italian dinner. Yeah, it was phenomenal that my that my cousin Barbara had gone ahead and cooked for us one night. Right. I gave her two bottles of Don Julio, thinking I was going to go to Vegas and I'd pick it up there, and it was two hundred thirty dollars a bottle in Vegas because oh, of the wow. taxes. Was it crazy there? Oh, my, I didn't realize. Oh, I could imagine they would be. So the taxes, the sin taxes, or whatever you want to call it <laughs> yeah. in Vegas, are pretty high. Because there's no tax on the uh, gambling, but they'll tax you on everything you buy. I was, I was like, are you kidding me? It's a $100 bottle in taxes? And yeah. she's like, and the person at the store said, yeah, it's Don Julio. We get 230 mm -hmm. bucks a bottle. So it's uh, kind of a difference. So that you kind of have seen the different tequilas. I'm, I, What's your daily? If you were to take a sip, one sip a night. Okay, one shot a night. Yeah. Especially after, so I go kind of like you, right? Yeah. The hard day. Hard day. Yeah, you, you've had. I I always I come back to Don Roberto a lot because that's yeah. a true tequila. That's that's something that is that's real tequila to me. Right. The Don Julio, again, special occasions. Right. right? Um, this Gonzalez, I yeah. think, is very similar. Yeah. Right? Um, right, and about a quarter of the price. Oh, is amazing! It? Yeah, it's about it's about well, actually, the triple nail was about sixty dollars a bottle in Mexico. The Suaveceto can never go wrong. I would drink this no. every day. I like that. And one. late night, in the middle of the night, I need to get back to sleep. <laughs> go to the Adductivo. Uh, so the good news is, all five are in my bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they're all great. They're all great. All do all better, all good for different reasons. But, but like you said, it's uh, it it all depends on your mood, right? And that's that's the reason to have different bottles in your yeah. in your barkeep. Exactly. Yeah. You always want to be able to have something to match the mood and the people who the right. who are more serious drinkers are probably going to stay in the Don Roberto, the Gonzalez, or the or the 1942. 
Yeah. What I don't like and what I appreciate about you is that you're actually sipping the tequila versus shooting it. Yeah, yeah. If you're shooting it, that means it doesn't taste very good. Right. You're if just you're trying to get it, it over. You're just yeah, get it yeah. over with. Yeah, yeah. Get me get me to the stage of being drunk before I have to think about it too much. Um, the suaveceto, actually, yeah. to me, is still I think a, a high class tequila. Always good. I think this is the one that we've had uh, actually two pours of. Yeah, we actually poured that twice. And that's saying a lot for you because you're... You that's know, Tom's... That's Dr. Poole's favorite. Is it? Yeah. But he hasn't had the adductiva. I think he's going to think the adductiva is too sweet. It is... Well, it is sweet. It is sweet for sure. But um, if I'm sipping it, if I'm sipping it with a cigar like yeah. the one I gave you... Adductiva is the way to go. Isn't that perfect? Yeah. Especially the cigar I gave you? Yeah, the cigar. The cigar. I'm like... I'm looking forward to later tonight. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. I'm going to sit out on the porch and <laughs> be drinking, drinking some adoptivo. Yeah, yeah. Going back and forth. The great thing about yeah, all of these your, tequilas. Clip your orchids, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what, the great thing about all these tequilas that yeah. I find is if you're drinking some of the other tequilas that yeah. are more popular, that have more popular brands, you get the hangover the next morning. You get mm-hmm. kind of the, oh, my head's kind of hurting a little bit. These, I've never had a hangover with. Well, yeah, I I, I kind of agree with you. Like everything I've drank tonight, and I'm not, I'm, I'll, I will admit right here, I'm not a tequila aficionado, but I'm not either. I'm still learning. Well, no, I have. Well, I haven't. But that, it's great. To, you know what? I haven't. This is the best education <laughs> I've ever. Had. Yeah, I haven't not enjoyed any one of them. Like all like, different. Like they're very different, and I think you brought very good things here because. The Don Roberto is a great start, and I think you paired it really well because you started out with something that's very familiar to tequila, and the Gonzalez is like, like that's actually to me, and maybe I'm wrong here, but that's like iconic tequila. Like there's no, a little is. bit of bite. Absolutely, too. Uh, he, you know it's tequila. You know when you're yeah, drinking it, it's tequila. Like, I'm not confused. You know, I'm like that's tequila, and Don Julio is like, okay, that's like a. Refined tequila, and I can't. I can't Suaveceto. Suaveceto. Suaveceto to me is like that's a smooth drink. I can drink that all night with you. Yep. Right, and we can have like a six-hour podcast. We're we're talking about the danger zone yeah, increases yeah. You, as you as you go through yeah. these. <laughs> and and there's a reason that addictive. What is it? Addict- Ad, addictivo. Addicted. Ad, addict. Yeah, addictivo is like a. That's the sweetest. It's it's very much a dessert tequila. You would you would end a good steak dinner with this. Right. While you you're would, having a little piece of like cheesecake or yeah, something you, to go with in it. In fact, you'll have a you have a uh, you have a glass of this or on ice or straight yeah. neat like we have it um, after an espresso or something like that. You know, it's a it's a tequila. It's a finish. That's seven years. Yeah. But the last, I believe the last three years are in used bourbon barrels. Yeah. That's That's where the sweetness comes from. That's, that's what I taste, right? And it's like, it's like drinking a fruit fruit, you know, drink, but, but it's it's like very nice. Like a port. Mm. Yeah. So the good news is. So I can see why you finish with this. Yep. In this, in this flight. The, uh, we're, we're experimenting. I'm, I'm playing with one of the local restaurants. Okay. Maybe we should, you and I should get together. Yeah. Um, about making a drink. 
Yeah. That's a new type of margarita. Mm. And the new it's called the Grand Seduction. Grand Seduction, I like it. And uh, I have to admit that my 90-year-old dad and I got pretty wasted on these in Mexico. <laughs> we had a pretty yeah. good time. Yeah. Uh, he also had three shots of... Uh, Adjectivo over the course of about an hour and a half, and I found out things about my family that I didn't <laughs> ever really want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, something about my Italian grandma and three mu- and three husbands. Oh, um, man. Oh, and man. she was from southern Italy, so I'm pretty sure there was some little intrigue going on there. Uh, but one of the things, um, this grand seduction, is actually, have you ever, there's a uh, floral liqueur. Okay. It's called St. Germain. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. It's made from elderflower. Nice. And they combined tequila, mm-hmm. elderflower, uh, what do they call old-time bitters, okay. and a little bit of blackberry liqueur mm. to make a, a margarita. And they put a little bit of that sweet salt mix with a little bit of pepper in it that often are on some of the tequila glasses. Yeah. And it is phenomenal. And I'm working, a local, I'm look, working with a local barkeep. Right. For bartender to kind of try to, I've got the recipe more or less. Right. And we're, the nice thing is we're experimenting. Well, that's a, that's a complex co- cocktail. It is. Yeah. It's kind of got a nice color to it. It's kind of like a rosé color to it, but it's a mark, it's a new type of margarita. Nice. And it's i uh, I've got part of, I've got the formula and the good news is, is that we got a little bit of work to do. So we got a lot of, a lot of drinking to do to figure <laughs> out and get it just right. So, well, I got to get you on the uh, Drinky Drinky podcast. Well, when we figure out the grand seduction, we figure out that bitters yeah. and that ra- and that blackberry. Right. We'll come back and you will drink this. And I will tell you, it is truth serum mm. <laughs> personified. Nice. Cheers. So, Salute. cheers to you. Salute. Ah. Yeah. So, my last restaurant, Delmonico, mm. which is a steak restaurant here. Oh, in yeah. Guam. Yeah. That would addict. Addictive, uh, addictivo, Ad, addictivo, addictivo. That would that would be great after a New York steak with lots of butter. Wouldn't it be? Yeah, it would be great. Be like, um, it's a I, way to finish the steak. Hopefully, this this import company that I talked to, yeah, will start bringing it in. I gave him the names and everything else, and said, "Hey, we got to do this." <laughs> And again, another. Re- do you? How many restaurants do you own right now? Any? Well, no, no I sold them all right you before did? COVID. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, right. Before. I sold my veterinary practice in California <laughs> right before 2000, 2007. Coincidentally, I sold all my restaurants because uh, I was, you know, like restaurants are tough business. And, oh, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, I've still got young kids. Uh, you haven't met them all, but you you will soon. We'll have you over for the house, and uh, I was like, you know, I got to spend more time with the kids, and then. Then COVID happened. I was like, great timing, great timing. I, I sold my hospital in, in Irvine, California. Yeah. December 31st, 2017. Oh, see. Or 2007, I'm yeah. sorry, right before the crash in 2008. See, and just timing. Timing's everything. It's called wisdom. Wisdom, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you go back to wisdom, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, everybody was playing by cash and ATM and, and writing checks back in the day. Yeah. And now everyone's paying by credit cards, and we're in a we're in a neighborhood of million dollar homes. Everyone's paying by credit cards. Something's happening. I'm Something. not sure what it is, but I think we need to sell and get out. <laughs> exactly. They so. need they needed the point stock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey. Cheers, man. Salute, Kaz. Thank you. Great conversation. Very much. Great tonight. conversation tonight. Way to uh, end it. 
you discovered a new cigar you liked, and I, I'm, you know what, I'm gonna, unfortunately, probably, <laughs> my doctor hopefully doesn't hear this. Uh, I'm gonna be smoking some lots more cigars. Yeah, those are those good. are really good, those and with trouble. the combination with Adjectivo. Well, here's the thing: you don't always have to finish the stick. Well, I tonight later I'll be sitting <laughs> on my I'll be sitting on my lanai looking out over the over the bay, and I will be drinking Adjectivo, smoking a cigar, and uh, having a great time. All right, salute by there. Salute. Good, good show, good show. This was fantastic. Did you have fun? I have a great time.